uh, turbines to power atomic batteries to speed. We're ready to go. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Stress Free Lounge. Another Friday night edition, although God knows it's not my fault. Uh, it's not my fault. I didn't do it. <clears throat> I was fighting the internet. A uh, little, little hot audio, I think. I was fighting the internet uh, so much yesterday and, uh, day, and earlier today, a little bit of the day before as well. But when it finally got working again, I, I looked up and I just thought, wow, the page loads just like that. Um, I guess it's a way to appreciate what we've got. I, I remember the uh, the days of the uh, of the dial uh, the uh, days of the dial up. Take a picture would just download like this. So uh, hi everybody, Hail Vectron, and um, I hope everyone's doing well. Um, so a bunch of things we'll talk about tonight. We're going to get into the questions early because I have been uh, defective in my ability to get through those things uh, lately. So the more I do, the further behind I get. Uh, but nevertheless, here we are. So that's always good news. Um, <clears throat> so I got a new firewall out. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, as usual, I'll just, uh, yeah, you've got mail. Files done. Um, the uh, AOL, man, and it cost a fortune too. It just cost a fortune. Mm. Uh, so I'll just give you a quick update because I, you know, I've been I had to redo the whole beginning of this thing. There's a I think a, a good chance we'll have it by finished by this uh, next stretch free lounge. So um, just to keep you guys up to date, since it's a little behind schedule here, I'll just show you a couple of, of the latest, uh, just a couple of little latest, little, oh, they're just amusing little bonbons that I use to, you know, amuse myself. Um, so uh, yeah, we'll get into the firewall and all that serious business in a minute. So uh, here's the situation. I, as I've said several times now, I've had to I've not had to. I've decided to redo the entire first half of the of the um, animation chapter one for uh, Dia's for Dungeon, and uh, the second half is untouched. Uh, I I redid the first half to solve the main problem, which was that after six minutes you still only get one political thing. And I'm not going to go into why we did that again. If you want to know, just look at the last uh, stress for lunch. Uh, but. Um, as I mentioned before, you know the thing is you gotta you gotta it's like it's like uh, real filmmaking. You gotta find a location, scout a location, pick your angles. You gotta block it. You gotta block the camera moves, and you gotta light it. Then you gotta put the performances in. So I'm almost done. I've got a test render of um, of probably half, I guess, of the final scene where these creatures just come out of the dark. Again, these are still, uh, please remember, just tests, but I'm just going to show, show you some new ones since uh, last week, just so you can see what, um, what we're doing here. Um, hey, Wesley Bruce, how about that? Good to see you from all the way on the other side of the world. So um, here's uh, just a couple of ladies just to give you an idea of what I've been up to in my uh, uh, copious spare time. So a lot of times I have to hold the camera and just let things warm up. Um, that was to get the landscape to res up, although I found out how to do that. So the shot really picks up once it starts moving somewhere around there. Uh, the, the, the 
location is just much, much, much better than the than the last one. Had to walk Zoe around that branch there. That's harder than you think, actually, to make that look good. And no, we don't have collision avoidance. We're just going to use cuts. But in any event, you get the general idea. So um, I just like the way that shot's composed. I like the dried out riverbed in the background. I think that looks cool. So uh, up next, let's see what we got here. Here we go. Uh, this shot is a little blue, but it shows the guys crossing uh, the uh, the deserted, uh, the uh, the dried up riverbed. I love these wide shots. And then <laughs> turns to yellow because the camera dipped below the surface of where the river used to be, and it took me forever to figure that out. But just, just to give you like an establishing shot of getting into other people's territories. Uh, now these I like an awful lot, I think. Uh, yeah, here's the here's the border to the uh, to the kingdom. This is basically to, meant to represent the U.S. border. It's a gate, and there's no wall there. Um, and the the lighting, the way the lighting works on the trees, and when I get closer to the to the archway, the way that thing, it's just Unreal is amazing. And this is Unreal Four. Um, but I just think it's uh, I think it's really pretty cool. So uh, yeah, there's the border, and the door is locked. Can't come in unless you decide to you know walk around the side of the building. Uh, so, you know, that's the, that's the thing about allegory, man. It's allegorical. What's this? Oh, here's the first, the snitches. Uh, this is the first, these are the first people they, well, the first creatures they encounter outside of uh, the actual kingdom. These are the snitches that guard the, the uh, Democratic Party uh, headquarters. Now, obviously, you're seeing, I render out these entirely long scenes because I know I'm going to edit them. Um, and so none of these, we'll, we won't be holding that shot. We won't hold any of these shots as long as, as you're seeing them. But it gives me a chance to have a little more flexibility in the, uh, in the edit room. I just like the angle on that a lot. I just think it's a great angle. I like the background. It looks so much better than the old forest, I think. The, the head looks funny because I haven't done the head yet, but. It's just cool looking thing. Which one was that? That was uh, 17. All right. Like the shot a lot too. Everything comes down to, the, to camera angles and the lighting, gangaroos. That's just that's just nice. What I had to do on that last one though is I had to I had to move uh, Zoe's character back a little bit because the very end he went into complete black and I got to have him at least rimlit. So uh, I got that to worry about. It was what was that? Uh, seven two. I can't tell which one. Hang on. Got two more, I think. That was seven two seven. Okay, so this is uh, seven two nine. Hey. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah, and this is the last one. So uh, this one is, um, when I say it's close, I have, to, I have to fine tune not only the arrival times, but I also have to fine tune the, the positions because they're blocking each other. One of these cases, a guy actually walked through somebody else. But um, in any event, uh, this one will show you the effect. This one was the first one I've really done that, that shows you the effect. So I'll, I'll do Zoe's narration as they, they've pushed past the snitches now. 
They're, uh, they've gone across the border, and, um, and now, uh, now they start to see the um, kind of the lesser demons. Uh, and so uh, this shot's pretty close to being done, not quite. And again, it's long, but I'm going to edit it. I just love that shot. I just think it looks fantastic. Love the flames and everything. So the first, the first things that uh, Zoe points out are the residents of this nasty place are the, uh, the barking mad and the criminally insane. So that would be these guys. Uh, and I go in and do close-ups of them. The girl on the right is kind of spooky, actually. Uh, we don't know. And then here come, oh, look, it's the willfully blind. I didn't give them any lights because I didn't think there was much point. They're, they're, they're purposely not seeing. I'm probably going to replace those two models. I'm not crazy about them. Here comes uh, the fatally open-minded. And I'm going to have to reposition that torch so he's holding it over his head so he can show everybody how open-minded he is. Here come the unmarried um, young ladies whose husbands uh, basically just left them and ran away. And uh, this guy's overexposed. He's uh, one of the gutless and the heartless. Uh, so uh, when, I, when I take the light down on that, he'll, he'll look a lot more, uh, uh, you know, wonderful. And then you got to throw in uh, uh, somebody said in the comments about sound, sound, the sound, the sound. And um, sound is everything. So uh, it doesn't come alive until there's sound. Once you get sound, that's it. So that's pretty much it for the, for the day. Um, but all of the hard work, let me rephrase that, all of the uh, tedious work is pretty much done. The tedious work is where am I going to do this next shot? How am I going to light it? How am I going to, um, yeah, and ballless, good point, John. I may have to, I may have to throw that in there. Uh, and now I'm blocking out, right? And I just left the left the house, you know, just just before I came here. Shot over here, and uh, this the shot I'm working on now was that last one you saw, where um, I've got just these waves of creatures, and I've decided to do this probably a little differently than I would do it if it was an actual movie. I've decided to do this shot like the way you would do it, and if you're going to do a game cinematic. Um, I do not do storyboards, Marisha. I just, I just, over the course of my life, developed a decent eye. I'm very happy with it. Um, so, uh, so, if I were doing this thing with waves, I would probably break it up and do a bunch of different takes. But what I've decided to do is to make it one long 2,000 or 3,000 frame shot so that if I, well, not if, when I get all of these things walking past in the direction I want to, then I can um, cut to any camera I want. Camera, I can place cameras, cut to any camera angle I want. They'll match, and then I just go into the edit room and, and tighten it up as much as I can and get it going. So uh, so that was that. Anyway, that's it for the uh, animation. But um, yeah, and it's Steve says I'm using 2% of the uh, engine's power, and this is Unreal 5 is is an oh, order of magnitude different. I, I mentioned I'd rewritten the whole front half of this thing. It gave Zoe much more to do. In fact, it's actually Zoe's story now, which is better. Um, he, uh, I mentioned that he, he's a uh, prince of this kingdom. And, uh, and the first shots we showed last week of him coming into this area, it's all burned out. And this is what the Democrats have done to his formerly green valley there. And, and he talks about, you know, when people used to sit on the hill and they used to watch jesters and watch all, he just, he's reminiscing about how beautiful this place used to be. And Unreal 5 Engine is out now. It came out either shortly after or shortly before last week's Stress Free Lounge. So what I'm going to do 
is um, I am going to uh, I'm going to use Unreal Engine 5 and I've got an asset that looks an awful lot like the burned forest that I showed last week but it's completely green and I'm gonna put and I've got I've got a kind of a you know aristocratic kind of a Middle Ages thing. So as Zoe walks down this burning hill, he talks about what this place used to look like, and then I'm going to do a flashback. And it's going to be young Zoe with no helmet on, no armor. He's just out there. He's got a rapier, obviously. He can't walk around unarmed. And he's there with all of the... Um, he's all... Uh, let me get... Hang on, Steve. If I don't answer that, let me reply to that. So all of a sudden, he's, he's in the middle of this burned forest, and he looks around, and, and, and he says something, you know, I first kissed a girl under that tree, and then he points, and then it's, it's green, it's beautiful, it's blowing, and the reason that's going to be powerful is it's, it's yet another punch. It's like, here's what these people do. This is what they did to Detroit, basically. It's what they did to Detroit. So, um, so uh, let's see here. Uh, Bill want me to pick up Unreal and... and pace car learning learning it with you who's the pace car uh if you're the if you're the guy driving the the, the pace car that's impressive um if if it if it turns out i'm the guy driving the pace car then um yes uh the first thing i'm going to put on the um first set of things i'm going to put on the other channel is a, a series of tutorials called um how to make movies in unreal not going to touch game stuff at all and i'm just going to I've given some fair thought to how I'm going to do that. Um, for example, the first the first chapter would be keyframes. If you don't understand keyframes, you cannot work in computer animation. Computer animation is nothing but a series of keyframes, and so the first the first um, the first uh, lesson will be in the blank Unreal thing with the with the mannequin. I'm going to say. We start him here, we're going to go forward 60 frames, we're going to move him to here, and then we play, and watch what happens. He moves 1 60th of the way. But these two end keyframes are splined keyframes, so he, he slowly accelerates out, then he hits his normal pace, and then he slowly decelerates in. Sometimes that's good, most of the time it's not, so let's change those to linear, and then, then you'll see he's moving at a constant rate. And then I can start doing things like showing how to match the footsteps to the ground, uh, there's stuff called um, root motion, which can be very handy. Uh, root motion is where the character's feet, where the animation is recorded the position of the body so that the character will move around in 3D space. The other stuff is just, just walking like on a treadmill and you gotta, you got to push him and could get him there and all the rest of it. But if, if you're trying to get a guy's footsteps right and, and if, he's, if he's slipping, He's not going far enough. If he's skating, he's going too far and that, that kind of thing. Um, I haven't heard anybody uh, do these kind of tutorials. Uh, and, and, and the ones I have seen have been horribly disorganized. It's going to be just here's how you can make movies in Unreal. Because the person that I um, talked about in the uh, right angle, the person with the, uh, with, the, with the child whose name is an Adam, not in the right angle of the firewall, uh, that that person uh, who might be watching now, if you are, hello person, uh, um, said that when, when I talked about doing tutorials, he he and his wife, I think it was his wife, basically said, oh, oh God, everybody wants to do it. it's all it's all like you know 12, 14, 16 year old kids are talking about is is using Unreal Engine and Unreal Engine's free, 
And um, and I think I'd have a lot of fun doing that. And I think I'd be good at it because I figure if I can explain things like you know technocracy, I could probably uh, do okay with uh, you know with keyframing. So uh, we'll see. Anyway, uh, that's the latest. Um, it's a pretty big uh, pretty big work for one guy. Um, but the things that used to complete me, stump me, and stop me dead in my tracks for four days trying to fig figure things out. Now it's like, pff, 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 pff. Uh, so that's basically, uh, that's basically it. No, I'm not going to charge anybody for these things. Uh, and uh, no love for Unity. I, don't, I had to make a choice, and Unreal seemed to be... be I liked uh, the image quality better, and I liked the asset store better. So I had to make one of those decisions, and that's what I did. What happened to the colonies? Well, to be honest with you, uh, nothing, Edward. I'm I'm working as hard as I can to get the colonies done. This something that I'm working on here is both animation and overtly political. And my hope is to use this to um, to gen, uh, kind of gun up uh, the me membership base and the financial base, get this thing out. Um, you know, for the summer, and uh, certainly get it out so you can get some circulation um, before the elections, and and you know, push it hard. Uh, I found out last week um, that uh, somebody I'm, I'm going to get a chance to meet somebody who's a, a computer animator out here, and he did. Um, it's a woke world after all. I don't know if you've seen it. It's it's very very clever. He he, he did the. I think he used to work for Disney. Uh, I haven't met him yet. I'm looking forward to meeting him. I wanted to get this finished first. Um, so uh, you know we'll see uh, what we're gonna do. And then um, that's that's basically. It. So I want to talk a little bit about what we're gonna be doing next. You know just for the whole company. And then we'll dive into the questions here. Um. When I, when I posted that uh, firewall, uh, the first, I don't know, of the first 20 comments, 16 of them were, oh, I miss firewall so much. It's my favorite content. This is why I supported you. This is, you know, this is, this is by far your best stuff. And, and I know that's true. Um, and I haven't done one in eight or nine months. And I, and when I was, when I went to answer that question, I didn't really know what the answer was until I started writing. It's one of those things where you just have kind of a realization, you know, something just, that's why talking about things is useful. The uh, reason I haven't done one for, for a while was largely because the, the numbers weren't any better than the moving back to America. They were a lot more trouble, but I had thought that, you know, I don't have anything big left to write about. Um, not, uh, and Bill Whittle now is not going anywhere. Oh, Bill Whittle now is gone someplace. Yes, Bill Whittle now is gone. Uh, but moving back to America, we'll be back. Um, and so I looked at moving back to America as kind of a, uh, you know, clearance version of um, of the firewalls where without all the bells and whistles, not as well written, but generally speaking, edited and, you know, kind of a halfway house. Uh, but at least I could get those done every week. And I was just thinking, I and I got nothing else to say, really. Uh, that I haven't said already before. I don't know how many of these things I've done. I bet it's 200 firewalls and afterburners combined. Um, so when I was answering this question, I said, you know, the reason you haven't seen any is because I've spent the last year, probably two years, honestly, 
trying to figure out just what the hell's going on here, you know? I mean, something's obviously going on, and and if I have to explain that to you, then, you know, either you're not paying attention or you, you don't want to pay attention. So I decided I was going to tackle that, the, the big, big thing, uh, this idea of the Great Reset. I didn't know why the people who were calling it the Great Reset were calling it the Great Reset. I don't like... Um, I don't like Klaus Schwab, and I don't like uh, Bill Gates, and, and I don't like those people for reasons I just only touched on in the first of these series of, of numbered firewalls that are coming. I, I don't think it's going to be less than six, frankly. Um, but I wanted to know why they were using the term. So uh, just between us engines here, um, every episode, I'm going to very quickly put the latest debt numbers up there because digging into all of the stuff about COVID, digging into all of the stuff about the technocracy, about artificial intelligence, about all this stuff, all of it. I think the, the, the great reset that these guys are preparing us for is the resetting of the world's debt. That's what I think, based on uh, a lot of evidence uh, that, that has come to light during the course of me watching those 20 hours, 24 hours of, of videotaped evidence. But I, I thought a compelling case was made for it especially when you look at what they're doing with the, with money now. When, um, you know, Bill Gates is the largest owner of agricultural land in uh, the United States. He's America's farmer. That's, that's a, that's a May Day parade of red flags right there. Um, somewhere in the Obama administration, so, you know, I mean, early in the Obama administration, we're talking eight, 10 years ago now, as this debt continued to get higher and higher and higher, and as the, and as the spending accelerated, somewhere in there over the course of a year or two, I realized this is never going to get paid back. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that this money will never get paid back. There's no way that we're going to run $35,000 billion of surpluses in order to pay this down. It doesn't matter how much the economy grows. So... I said to myself, what's going on? Well, I had a breakthrough on the, on the debt issue when I, when I realized, I suppose as long as the payments on the debt are being made, then it's not a crisis until you can't make the, the payments. And as the numbers, as the amount of debt grows, uh, the amount of our annual budget, as opposed, which is the budget deficit as opposed to the actual debt, we spend more and more and more of our annual income tax paying the interest on that debt. So I saw, I saw back in the old days, you know, the quaint, quaint old days of yesteryear when things were so much simpler and the national debt was only $20 trillion. Somebody did an animation of what $20 trillion looked like. And if you imagine a building the size of the World Trade Center square building, and you imagine that the footprint of it is papered flat with brand new $100 bills, and then you stack those bills all the way to the top, it's something like 19 of those. And this guy did the animation is showing these ships just unloading crates and crates and crates of $100 bills, which is what's being added on a you know, daily basis. So I'm not going to talk about why I'm going to talk about the debt. I'm just going to keep talking about the debt in the beginning just for one or two paragraphs saying when I recorded the last one, you know, 
14 days ago it was this it's we now owe another you know 75 billion dollars whatever the number is but look we have left the world of economics behind and 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 quite a while ago um and everybody knows it when when that number gets to be that size and the spending accelerates then either somebody's got a plan or somebody doesn't now i'm generally inclined to think that people don't have a plan and i think the way to understand these kind of big issues is not so much like somebody's got like somebody's got um you know this or that uh, you know, they're pulling levers. I, I just think it's a bunch of very smart people and very connected people all understand the same big dynamics and they're surfing this, this thing. So what I think, if I had to guess, and I'll see, this is really the final episode of these things, but just so you have a rough idea where I'm going with this. I suspect that Klaus Schwab and all the rest of these guys are going to, the system's gonna, gonna have a major crisis. It's gonna make the financial situation in 2008-9 look, you know, uh, well, what, what could have happened in 8 or 9 is going to get close to happening. And I suspect what's going to happen is all of these guys are going to come in and they're going to say, all right, we're going to re-zero the debt, the debt of the world. If you owed money on your house, gone. Everything, everything's reset. It's the great reset. All debt is going down to zero. And the reason that they will say that is to sell us on it because... A lot of us have bills to pay. A lot of us have, you know, have debts to pay and so on. And the idea of them coming and saying, we're going to zero the whole thing out. That's the only way to, to save the economy. Okay. But zeroing the whole thing out means that whatever money you may have put aside into your, you know, retirement funds, that money's gone. And so when Schwab says nobody will own anything and everyone will be happy, I'm not inventing this. Look, I, I, I know how nuts this sounds, but I'm, I'm, hurt. I, I'm, I'm seeing what's going on. This, I'm not inventing this stuff. I didn't, I didn't write that line for Charles Schwab. I mean, not Charles Schwab, um, you know, Evil Schwab, uh, Klaus Schwab. Uh, so yeah, so all of a sudden, it's like everybody's going to be like, yeah, student debt gone, uh, your credit card debt gone. You don't know anything anymore. It's all, it's all, all debt is gone. We're going to restart the clock. And I think that's going to be appealing to enough people for them to buy it. But what's, but the same people are talking about the Great Reset. They don't mention the reset of what, but I don't know what else it could be. Because they're not calling it the Great Collapse. They're not calling it the Great Revolution. They're not calling it the Great Advance. They're calling it the Great Reset. That's an interesting term to me. It's an interesting term, has been from the beginning. These are the same people who are talking about things like guaranteed minimum wages. And what we saw in the last two years was if you pay people enough money to not go to work, then they won't go to work. And somebody somewhere has done a calculation, and millions of people have probably done this calculation. How much money would it cost per year to pay everybody in the country a regular wage, or a check from the government, and not burn the burn the place down. How much would it be? I think that's what I think that's what they're trying to find out. I think that's what uh, the, a lot of the lessons they learned from COVID, I think 
Whether it was intentional or not, I have a theory on that, but no question that they, they got an awful lot of data from COVID. And they're getting data right now in Shanghai. The Chinese are pushing people to, well, they're pushing people to jump out of buildings. How much coercion will any given populace, population take? As I pointed out in technocracy, they don't see us as people. Uh, they don't see even each other as people. They don't, they don't, they don't get that. They, they never have gotten it. This aristocracy, uh, yeah, Marusha says there's a benign version of this, but I'm sure willing to listen, but two hours explaining in detail is gonna take, uh, gonna take a pretty hefty two hours. Uh, the bottom line is, I think the next, the next firewall is gonna be called um, Homo Deus, not Amadeus. Homo Deus, the guy who, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Yamal Hari, Hari, the guy who was doing the last talking in the in the um, in the last video. He's written a book called Homo Deus. Uh, he's the guy who said that our species is about to go extinct, and he's working hard to build the the devices that will cause our species to go extinct. That's not a human. Uh, Desire. That's Mr. Burns saying, from the beginning of time, man has always dreamed of blocking out the sun. That's what that is. But um, if, if I understood correctly, and, he's, and, and I'm virtually positive he wrote this book, and I'm virtually positive of my Latin, um, what that, you know, Homo sapiens means man the wise. Technically speaking, we're Homo sapiens sapiens. That's the, that's the subdivision of, of our species. Homo sapiens sapiens. Man the double wise. Yes. Homo Deus means God, man. It means man, the God, God and man. The same. You are you man, God. And and the idea that this guy is has written a book called Man, the God, meaning the next species will not be man, the wise. It'll be man, the God. The fact that he that he could write a title like that tells me that he is pathological and that he sees, and not just him, all of them see their mission in life as the extinction of themselves. And that sounds so counterintuitive, it's like, yeah, Harari. It's like, well, that can't be right, Bill. And I agree, it sounds completely bark and mad, but either they're gonna figure out a way to get their consciousness under silicone, and, and having spoken to this brilliant, brilliant guy about who really, really, really understands all of this stuff, architecture of computers and neural biochemistry, they'll never do what they want to do, which is upload their consciousness to silicon. They'll never do it. But they think they can, and if they can't, since they're going to have to die, what they want to do is they want to be the gods that create. They want the creation of the, of the, of the, the superhuman, the, the transhuman, the better than human, the, the, the um, you know, it's the $6 trillion man, uh, $60 trillion man. Um, and um, so uh, just, just to toss out something that I've never heard before. Everybody, well, most people have heard that there's, there's long time pursuit has been the, I, the, the idea of finding a way to decode human consciousness and transferring it to silicon, right? Once you can do that, if you can develop the interface, just the modem that talks from your 
if you can develop the interface that talks from the wetware up here to silicon, then if you, if you can do that, then theoretically, you could take your consciousness, assuming you think your consciousness is a series of chemical algorithms, as he said, and put it into silicon. And this is the kind of thing, these are the kind of questions, the big questions that I never hear anybody else asking. We talked about this either last week or the week before. 40 million years ago, it was, it's been 40 million years since the Arctic was, was last uh, liquid at this time of year. Global warming is real. Who, who caused it to be liquid 40 million years ago? These kind of big questions. And when people talk about putting their consciousness into, into silicon uh, and, and becoming essentially you know, electronic computers, the processing speed of a computer is just, I'm just going to grab a number that's approximately correct, right? It's got to be something like a million times the speed of the neural synapses, synapses in your brain, which are most complicated network in, in the entire universe is right up here. Uh, speaking about myself, of course, you, you guys also probably have, you know, kind of like suburb, you know, suburban kind of networks. Uh, but, um, but our brains are limited in terms of its speed, not in terms of complexity, but in terms of speed. It's limited by the fact that this electrical impulse has to travel down this neuron and then it poof, fires off the chemicals and these chemicals touch the dendrites, detrons or whatever on the other, on the other neurons and then this, this kind of electrochemical storm just spreads out and does the miracles that it does and it does it pretty quickly. But it does it very, very slowly compared to electronics. Just, just the release of the chemicals, the chemicals having to move even if in tiny, tiny space between the synapses, it still takes time. And so one of the questions I ask myself is, to these guys, uh, like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know for a fact that uh, Yuval or whatever has been, Yuval, has been uh, thinking about this. I know he wants to. But here's what I mean by the fundamental questions, right? So let's say he can do it. Let's say these guys can do it. Let's say that they can upload their intelligence into a silicon entity, which is functioning one million times approximately faster than the human brain. It's got the complexity of the human brain, but it's functioning about a million times faster because it's dealing with sheer electronics and no biochemistry at all. Doesn't that mean that the second you wake up in the other entity, that time will slow down by a factor of one million for you? If, you're, if your thought processes, everything that you consider to be your consciousness, the ability to start a sentence without knowing the end of it, none of that stuff changes. So if the ability to think can be moved into electronics and the electronics can speed things up by a factor of a million, wouldn't that mean that the first thing that happens is you open your eyes and you look around and everybody's looking at you and you, and you can't move, you can't speak, you can't do anything, and you have to wait a million days before somebody realizes your eyes are open? You see what I'm saying? If, if, we're, if, our, if, if we can get so many cycles per second out of wetware and the electronics speeds that up by orders of magnitude, how are you going to, I'm not saying you couldn't think that fast, I'm saying that if you could think that fast, you, that you would not, our time scale, our, our, our cycles per second is, is tuned for, our perception and all that is tuned for wetware. If you could get rid of the wetware and speed the stuff up, then either time would appear to slow down for you or you would have to artificially slow down your, your thinking because you couldn't do it. And by the way, 
what 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 does this look like without emotions? I know these people think that they have no emotions. You know, they just want they, how are you going to move emotions up there? Nobody understands what these things are. Nobody understands what these things are. Nobody understands how complex they are. This is the guys in the in in the Sony um, boardroom saying, "Why not just make the hits?" They think it's just a question of 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 you know intelligence. They think it's just a question of of uh, you know making something that'll pass the Turing test. But but you can't divorce the emotions from our thought processes. I know guys like you. You all think that they are. I, I just listening to him talk. There's no emotion there. At least that's what he thinks. But there is emotion there. There's incredible amount of arrogance there. There's a credible amount of pride. There's an incredible amount of condensation. Did I say con con condensation? I meant to say condescension. So anyway, anyway, if you've got a bunch of guys who, who, who are controlling all of these finances and all of this stuff, the idea that they could cause unmitigated catastrophe for the rest of us is not a consideration for them, which is why I did the, the technocracy first, because what I'm going to do with this new firewall series is I am going to make a case. Uh, and it's going to take me six, seven episodes to do that. And the first thing you do when you make the case is, you're, you, first thing I'm going to do when I make my case is what I did in the first one, which is I'm trying to develop a psychological profile of the um, of the perpetrator. I'm trying to develop a, what, what kind of thinking does this person do? Then I'll go to motives. Then I'll go to opportunities. Then I'll go to, you know, evidence of, of, of cover up. All the things you would do if you were trying to, you know, pr produce a, an effective prosecution. Um, so there you go. All right. Um, it's going to be, uh, Maybe time for us to go to the questiones. I don't even know if we finished the two weeks ago thing, and what if we didn't? We are we're done with that, so we'll go back to BillWiddle.com, and I'll get a couple from space, Facebook this time, just because I have to. Oh, let me um, let me go back to this um, before I forget. Um, so I'd like to get your take on this, gang. Uh, get get the take in the comment section on YouTube's and YouTube's, and also get it here in real time. So when the, I get this animation done in another several days, um, I am going to go out and do another membership drive. And here's what I'm going to propose. Uh, I'm going to show this pie chart that's, that shows you that 2%, if you, take all of, if you take the top five gaming channels versus the top five um, conservative commentary channels, you find that about 2 or 3% of the total views is conservative viewing, and 97% of it is just games. And I am going to say I'm the only, I'm going to tell them the truth. I'm the only guy out there who's going into this into this space. This is not only where 97% of the target is. This is where all of the young people are. And this little pie slice that we're spending all of our effort on is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and older and older and older. So I'm going to need your help to move this thing along. And I will do this as well so that there's no confusion. I will do a firewall a month minimum. Uh, I will do um, the moving back to Americas. And uh, I'll probably end up doing uh, a second version of the Stratosphere Lounge. Um, so, uh, yeah, the quarterly membership drive every 18 months, exactly. Uh, I knew, John, I knew that I knew what I wanted to talk about next. I knew what I wanted to go to next. It's this stuff. And look, I might as well just get this out in the open. 
we, we had a, about, of, of the people who joined up uh, 18 months ago, we've lost about a fifth of them, maybe more, maybe a quarter of them. Um, part of it is uh, they thought we were going to, this big political movement, I, I, I didn't know what was going on. Uh, I still look back on it, not entirely sure what's going on. Um, but we did the, the Coronasphere Lounge for 30 days straight, then we did uh, the Moving Back to America stuff. And this last 18 months have been the most turbulent 18 months, I think, in American history. I think even more than the Civil War. Because the Civil War was monumental and monstrous, but it was predictable. You knew what was going on. I mean, this, this last 18 months have been, what, what, what? Everywhere around the world, it's not just us. Back, that's one of the points I'm going to make. It's not only it's not just us; they're doing this everywhere. I, I usually tend to lump like the you know the China. Well, listening to those people screaming in Shanghai, I realize those people are are just experiencing the same thing we're experiencing here. They're getting more of it, but that is the same kind of feelings that we that we got during the lockdown here. China, the, the Chinese people aren't doing this. It's the people that run the Chinese government uh, that, that's doing this. Um, so um, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, and, then, uh, and then all of the second channel stuff is, is great. Um, but, but right now I, gotta, I have to increase the membership uh, numbers. And mostly, to be honest with you, mostly I need to for the short term, I need to get people to uh, make a one-time contribution on PayPal. Uh, if Obviously, the membership's a better way to go for us and, and it just keeps on uh, paying, but I got to do that and I got to do it soon. So um, I bet the, you know, I bet the, the, the farm on this animation thing. And I've done that for a couple years now, I really. And it's been uh, fully terrifying is what it's been, you know because uh, I only have so much time in the day and and to some degree I had to do one or the other and try to keep all these plates spinning but um, I am absolutely convinced that it doesn't do us any good to go after people who are already conservatives in their 70s that's not gonna not gonna matter um, uh, actually uh, uh, CP tomes. Yes, that's pretty much exactly what we need right now. Um, so I am going to oh, thank you for that, Marusha. So when I have this animation in my hand, I'm going to take that, make it a really tight pitch. I'm going to say, here's where people's eyeballs are. And all of us together, me being the smallest part of it, Daily Wire, Blaze, Levin, Beck, Shapiro, Knowles, you know, Dice, Watson, all, Archon, all of these guys, all of them are in that 3% slice of people who are getting older and who already get it. And if that doesn't do it, then I just don't, then I don't know, it, it'll do it. I'm just going to ring that bell forever. Because, look, this is what I want to be doing. This is, this is what I really have spent my entire life preparing to do. Uh, is um, is this stuff? This is this is what I this is what I trained for. This is this is what I um, this is what I've always wanted to do. 
is is to make films and and get the message across that way i got to increase the uh, the uh, uh the particle spawn rate on those flames because it's looking a little patchy but this is what it comes down to um so um this is why uh i want to to get it done what's ff xiv i know that somewhere and where do i know that from that's um that's not the name of that weird cult is it that looks good and when i get the reversals and all that other stuff in there it looks actually looks great so um so you know this is something that that young people will watch they're going to watch this and if i can get them to watch it then i can uh, final fantasy yeah if i can get them to watch it then we got a shot and if they and if, and if you, nobody's watching then it doesn't matter you're just let's just say spitting into the wind so uh that's what i'm going to do um i'm going to uh i'm going to do a fundraiser based on the animation i'm going to pitch that real hard and I'll make it crystal clear that while I am doing that, I am going to continue to do a firewall a month minimum, minimum, and I'm going to continue to do uh, moving back to America, and uh, and obviously we'll keep the virtue signals, we'll keep the right angles, and I will end up doing probably another live show a week. Um, I don't know what that'll look like, whether it be another stress for lounge, whether it be a, like a week in review for the news. We talked about doing that with the right angle guys, although that scheduling is going to be a real problem getting everybody together. So um, that's what I'm going to be putting on the table. And uh, and that's what I'm going to be asking um, for members for or for uh, one time uh, donations for one time, meaning, you know, when you can. Uh, and uh, and I'm just going to I'm just going to go after this hard when I when I get this animation fi finished, this is what I'm going to go hard after um, those guys. Uh, I have, uh, I just, I, I saw a little bit of Sargon. Uh, I haven't watched his stuff much, um, but I did see him debating this guy on, uh, I just saw the first couple minutes of it. Some guy was virtually signaling himself to death and he's trying to pin Sargon on. Did you actually say this? Yes, of course I said that. I said it because it's true. So anyway, uh, as far as the second channel goes, I don't know. That could generate some revenue, depending on how it goes. If if you know if, if people want to see a lot of unreal things, that's great. I've just been thinking about a lot of different things. I've been thinking about doing an episode, not even an episode, doing a, like a series on the second channel, on um, on acting, um, specifically, not how to act, but just for example. The other day, I was looking at um, I was looking at uh, Mark Antony's Shakespeare's uh, uh, oration for Mark Antony after Caesar died, the one that sways the crowd. And Brutus is an honorable man speech. And I saw Damian Lewis do it, who was the guy who was the lead on um, Band of Brothers. And then after I watched Damian Lewis, I kind of went back in time. I watched Charlton Heston do it, and before that, Marlon Brando did it, and before that, I could listen to John Gilgood do it. And and as you move forward in time, the believability, the trans, the transmission of emotion is just better and better and better and better and better. Damian Lewis's version of that speech 
is really, really um, accessible. You know, it's 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 you know, Brando, who's a who's a great actor, kind of you know plays it to the fortieth row. Uh, Heston, who's not a great actor, but he is Chuck Heston, which makes up for it. Um, he's he's laying it on pretty thick, but but Damian Lewis feels like he's talking to me, and I've always wanted to know what Shakespeare would have thought of that kind of uh, that kind of acting. But just as an example, the kind of things that I'm interested in, it would be fun to see, it'd be fun to show four versions of that exact same speech and look at the uh, at the pitch. And understand that each one of those performances are pitched towards the audience. The audience has gotten a lot more sophisticated too, and and not just acting-wise. Visually, we're so much more sophisticated. Put aside special effects, although it's hard to put aside special effects. You look at a movie's twenty years old, and you think this got the effects are horrible, but but it's not just the effects. It's it's the it's the pacing, it's the editing. Have you guys ever seen um, these guys that do like recuts? Like they'll do a they'll do a modern day trailer for Star Wars. You know, I'm not going to say A New Hope because that's not his name. His name is Star Wars. You know, the Star Wars movie. You ever seen when somebody takes a a, a trailer or, or takes a film that's like 25, 30 years old and they do a modern cut of the trailer for it? That language. Um, is evolving rapidly and becoming more complex. That's good. That's very good. Um, the acting is, I mean, I think that, I'm trying to think if there's anybody who's, who's in this league. I think the only, I think the two people who are on the bleeding edge right now are um, Daniel Day-Lewis and Joaquin Phoenix. Those are the two best actors I've ever seen in my life. And when they're on stage, or on the screen rather, there's nobody else on the screen. I remember watching The, the Master with um, Joaquin Lewis and, um, I'm Joaquin Lewis, that'd be a sight to see. With Joaquin Phoenix and, um, I've forgotten his name now. He died not long ago, the guy with the heavyweight, guy with the beard, what was his name? Um, come on, come on, come on, come on. Uh, 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 Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman. Um, and Philip Seymour Hoffman is an incredible actor. He's a tremendously good actor. Absolutely amazing. But when when uh, Joaquin Phoenix is on stage with him, then it's like, you know, he's not there. Anyway, these kind of things interest me, and I think they'll interest a, a bunch of people too. So I'm going to get a lot more, I'm going to get a whole lot more busier uh, than, than that. Yes, it's got Amy Adams in it. Exactly right, Eric. Okay, let's see what we got here. Um, you know, I got to tell you, I think this is not just, this is just a statement of fact. As much as I have wanted to and tried to get to all of these questions, uh, it's just not going to happen. I don't think it would happen with two shows a week. So, and that really bothers me really bothers me, but I don't know what else to do about it. Uh, I it just, you know, I could pick up the pace, I guess, obviously. And Natasha says I should do that. 
and I guess that's probably it. But you know, the stress for lunch has its has a pace that's the pace of the stress for lunch. I don't know what to say really. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the current ones first and work my way backwards, so so that otherwise we just never ever catch up. Um, all right, so let's see what we got here. I'll peel the comment section off here. I'll start a new tab. That's actually miraculous, you know. I mean, take all of this for granted, but just the fact the internet's that fast here, here just has a whole new window and all kinds of new things coming that way. All right, so here we go. Um, Henry Lumley. Uh, this is from April 2nd. Uh, hey, Bill, with Elon Musk's brilliant checkmate move today, what do you think will happen with the ownership of Twitter? By Musk making a generous offer well over the stock price, he's painted the Twitter brand into a corner. If they do not sell him the company for ideological reasons, then they violate their fiduciary responsibility and open themselves up to, a liabil to liability. And that also crashes the stock and Musk dumps the company. So he's built them a golden bridge to flee across and may actually be able to force them into destroying themselves. Check and mate. Now we see a scramble from the Vanguard and the Saudi prince, from the Vanguard and the Saudi prince to buy up Twitter as well, just to keep it out of Musk's hands. If Twitter gets sold to anyone else but Elon, I think Twitter signs its own death certificate. If it goes to the Saudis, especially, I think that will die off just as fast as Parler. Yes, I have to tell you, uh, Henry, um, there were aspects of that deal that I did not understand until you just clarified them for me. Um, the, the whole business about offering uh, offering it higher than the price, and then if if the if the board refuses to sell, then then they, they violated their fiduciary responsibility to shareholders. Um, you know, I know on some level, I I I'm, I I feel like I'm too much of a, a Musk fanboy, but I can't help myself on this. Have, having done this, all this research on the technocracy and, and research on all the rest of them, which has been done, I don't need another six months to do the next one. I need another two weeks at the most, probably. Um, but having, having dove deep into the, into the mindset of people like Bill Gates and the rest of these guys, there are exceptions to this rule. The, the person I mentioned in the, um, in the uh, firewall is one of them. And, and, and Musk is another, and here's, here's why I think, um, here's why I think Musk is different. I, I realized Elon Musk was different. I think the first time I realized that he was different than the rest of these billionaires was when I first heard that the rescue ship, that the, the recovery ship for the boosters out in the Atlantic was called, of course, I still love you. When I heard that, I thought, now that, is something you're not going to get from Boeing, and Bill Gates isn't going to do that, and 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 um, Bezos isn't going to do that, uh, and no, that's that is genuine. There's a, a human there's a human connection there, and this whole thing on the technocracy was was about how they they lack the human connection, so that's what got me kind of first thinking about it, Henry, and then when he launched the Falcon Heavy and the fairing comes off and there's a guy in this in this 21st century spacesuit looks like a real looks like a 21st century spacesuit when you see the guys get into the SpaceX thing the capsule looks like a 21st century capsule and the spacesuits look like 21st century spacesuits you know why cuz it's the 20th 21st century I say 20th I meant to say 21st 21st century that's why 
But when I saw the fairings come off and then there's this red convertible in Earth orbit beaming back real time and they're playing David Bowie, but the, but the thing that sold it, the thing that just put the cherry on the top was the don't panic on the navigation screen from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. When I saw that, I realized that the reason SpaceX is succeeding as well as it is succeeding is for the same reason that Northrop and Boeing and Lockheed and, um, and Cessna and Lear Hughes, all of these companies succeeded so well in the in the mid mid twentieth century, and and produced astonishing advances in aviation because they were the companies that were because they were owned by a person with a vision. Right, Northrop had a vision, Hughes had a vision, Clyde Cessna had a vision. All of them had visions, and and when that person is in charge of the company, amazing things happen. And when that person, Apple's a perfect example, perfect example, probably the example. Whatever you want to say about Steve Jobs personally, and, and I haven't gotten too much into his life, but there's certainly a lot of things you can say about Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs is Apple, and Apple is Steve Jobs. And when Steve Jobs died, Apple died too. Uh, is that true, political animal? Did, did Jeremy's Razor say they're going to announce a column called Elon's Musk? Um. So, but, but it's true. Apple has been, Apple hasn't done, Apple has not produced anything that took your breath away. Last time some, Apple produced something that took your breath away, it was, it was presented by Steve Jobs. And now it's run by, uh, you know, managers. And, and managers have, managers who, they keep doing the event that Steve Jobs made so famous. You know, here's the Apple, here's the Apple thing, we're going to come out, we're going to show something cool this year. Here's a, there's a little thingy. It plays, um, it's called the iPod, and it plays digital songs and no tape. There's no nothing. You don't have to fast forward. You don't have to rewind. You, hundreds and hundreds of songs on here. It's this big boom. Wow. Here's, your, here's an iPhone. Wow. Here's an iPad. Wow. Um, they, um, <laughs> G.K. Masterson, boy. She's hilarious. Uh, she says, I'm, I'm just happy we finally have a scandal so we can tag it as Elongate. Clever. Very clever. Uh, very clever. Um, but um, that's, Musk is different. He's, he's, he's connected to humanity. Everything he does is connected to humanity on some level. Calling the launch tower Mecha Godzilla, you know, and, and, and um, what's the other thing called? I didn't... I didn't read the instructions. Something, something like that. Um, so, oh, did, uh, I did not see this. The Biden administration's opened two separate investigations into Musk. Well, I'll tell you something. Um, I don't think they're going to catch him with anything. I don't. And if they do, I don't mean I don't because I don't think he's done anything wrong. But they can make it. They can make it so difficult for him that he that he will flee the country. And if he flees the country. I'm going to be very curious to see where he's fleeing to because if, if he is forced out of the country and, and we don't get to go to the moon and Mars because the government can't handle the fact that this guy's doing it, like Bezos, who's, who you would think would know better. I've never been, you know, I had mixed feelings about Jeff Bezos until I heard him that he'd sued Musk because NASA gave him the contract for the lunar lander. When I heard that, I just said, you are the worst person in the world, damn you, you know? 
how 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 childish and whiny is that? You had all the money in the world. You had an enormous head start. You had, you had 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 200 times as much money as Musk. He got it done. You didn't. And now you're going to sue to stop him? Go to hell, Jeff. Really. That was just, that was the, that was the, the, the lowest. We're going to stop human progress because this guy's moving faster than we are. That tells you a lot. That tells you a lot about, about the, the mindset of that guy. Really. Um, so anyway, um, just read the instructions. Yeah. The second drone ship. Perfect. Okay. So, um, back to the Twitter thing, uh, Henry, and this is why we don't get the questions done. Uh, so there's no reason for Musk to have bought Twitter. None. Other than if somebody can give me a, 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 a different explanation or a better one, I'm certainly happy to listen to it. But just for my little superficial anal analysis of it, I cannot see any reason, business reason, why Musk would buy that kind of share of Twitter only reason he would do it is because he's in favor of free speech and he's got the cash. It's mad money for him. It's, you know, it's play money. Was it three billion he spent on that? Yeah, you know, feel it. But he's got the kind of money to do that. And, and what, before he did the buy, Henry, when he was talking about Twitter and, then, and, and, you know, saying something, said something about, you know, um, uh, Twitter sure seems to be against free speech, you know, somebody ought to do something about that. Some, something like that. Okay. You remember when the Canadian truckers thing happened, right? And GoFundMe took the money that was going to the truckers and was going to send it to anti-trucker parties. And they would have gotten away with it, except Elon Musk tweets out, this looks an awful lot like stealing to me. Um, so, you know, I like to think, I, I don't for a minute entertain the idea of ever being uh, fabulously wealthy, because uh, the things that make me good at what I do are the things that make me not good at what I don't do. Um, but, uh, but I like to think that if I did have that kind of money, this is what I would do with it. I would do fun things like this. That's now. Now, now I'm on the. Now I'm on. Now I'm over the target. Now Henry it took me a second to kind of get down on it. Yes, this is it. Musk put the put the. Um, Named one of his, his drone ships, um, of course, I still love you because it was fun. He put, he put the red sports car into space with, with the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because it was fun. And I think he bought Twitter because it was fun, because he enjoys watching these people get a dose of their own medicine. And, he care, and, and because he's from another country, he understands what America is all about. And I think he did it for fun. And I think he did it because, look, he's... I don't know what the number was. Let's say it was $3 billion, right? It's, you, he'll, you, you feel $3 billion. You don't get to be a billionaire by just spending money on everything. He'd feel it. But I think he did it because he said, look, I can always just take this money out, right? You just sell the shares. I don't know whether I'll get what I put into it. Maybe I'll get more. Maybe I'll make a little less. But it's not like I set $3 billion on fire. And now, now he is getting... He's, he's making the censors terrified, terrified. And let's not forget that he's, he is a, a human being and has human emotions like the rest of us. When, when he was here 
and and that state representative, California state representative, basically tweeted out, tweeted out, F Elon Musk, because he was planning to send people back to work, you know, during the, um, the, the, the plague. And, and an official of, of the California state government tweeted out, F Elon Musk, and she didn't say F. Okay. You know what Musk said to that? He said, message received. Tesla's out of here. Tesla's gone. This is what this is what I would like to do if I had that kind of money. Um, is is do some good with it, you know? Do some good with it. Um, it's possibly bought Twitter because he wants the Babylon Bee back on Twitter. And you know what? Political I don't make that comment in the in the comment section here live. But to be perfectly honest with you, that's what you can do when you have those kind of resources. And he's earned every penny he's gotten. By the way, by the way, yeah, he's the real-life Tony Stark. That's exactly right, Marsha. Many of you remember back in the day, oh boy, low these seven years ago, we were talking about the free frontier and seeing if we could do a crowdfunded actual real space program. And I talked about this commercial that I wanted to make. And the commercial was, uh, you see a lunar lander on the moon, you know, it's a little more advanced, but it, look, it looks a bit like the Apollo module, but it's definitely bigger. And you see uh, the hatch open and, and a guy in a, you know, in a modern spacesuit starts stepping out and then you're watching all these people around the world, they're watching their television sets, you know, and the guy's coming down the ladder and it says, you know, 2030 or whatever it says on the bottom. And, and, then, and then, you know, this guy gets out of the hammer and starts pounding the... the, the um, the uh, flag into the into the ground flag unfurls the flag and it's the flag of China. Boom! Here's a punch in the gut for Americans who still care about these things, right? And I was let that thing hold. Here's the Chinese guy saluting the flag on the moon, yeah, and you just pan over, and then you were going to see a couple of American guys just kind of leaning against like a rover or something. They got a casino in the back underneath a giant dome, you know, all that other stuff. So it was a commercial for the free frontier. I'm going to make that video. I'm going to make it with Unreal. And I'm gonna, but instead of, what I'm going to have in the background is I'm going to have a bunch of starships on the moon, and I'm going to have a casino back there, and uh, and I'm going to make it as a as a thank you to Elon Musk, and maybe to get his attention. That's what I'm going to do because it's a, a hell of a thing. The Earthlight Motel in Armstrong City. Um, did I come up with that? Uh, oh, that's clever. Dave Goody says the rover would need to look like an F-350 with with dialies. Huh. Dualies. I don't know what a dually is, but I think it should have the mud flaps with the reclining chick, you know, the, the busty reclining chick with the chrome outline. That would be kind of cool. Anyway, I'm just going to I'm going to get that done. So, yes, um, Henry, I hope he's painted them into a box and and I hope th I don't hope I know he's scared the living daylights out of them daylights out of them. So, yes, it's wonderful. It makes me happy. Uh, Ian Nowlin. Bill, no question here. Just a couple of comments on topics you mentioned in previous stress-free lodges that I wouldn't mind your take on. Okay. Uh, WRT. Oh, with regards to, uh, I guess, the technocrats and Klaus Schwab's of the world, I strongly believe 
that the binding motivation isn't that they want to rule the world, although they do. It's that they're terrified of a world where no one slash God is in control. It doesn't matter what the proper curvature of a banana is, as long as there's someone out there doing good work of making sure we're only selling approved bananas. See, Brexit, yes. The um, I remember when the Europeans wrote the Constitution for the European Union. I was just, just started at PJTV. I've been there less than a year. And um, and there, the European Constitution had included in it uh, a section on how much curvature a cucumber could have in order to be sold in the European Union. They'd actually measured like the, 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 the percentage of an arc over a length of distance. That's in their Constitution. That's because they have basically said, their attitude is, we're going to tell you everything that's legal. Um, we're going to tell you everything that the government is legally allowed to do. Yeah, it was a cucumber, I'm pretty sure. Um, and so their constitution is, you know, it's thousands of pages, right? We can do this, we can do this, 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 this. The American constitution tells the government what it can't do. And that's why it's 444, 400, 4,440 words. Um, it's, it's astonishingly brief because it basically says government can't do anything except for this and this and this. Let you do those things. So um, as far as their motivation goes, though, Ian, um, I don't know what, I'm still working on this, it's something we're going to explore. But it is it's definitely got to do with uh, with um, with the with the that kind of materialistic atheistic viewpoint that there is nothing after this, and that and that that there I think their fear of death and oblivion is is driving an awful lot of that. I am quite sure it's what's driving the mad race to see if they can upload their um, precious precious consciousness into. Um, into digital uh, hosting. I'm quite sure that's a function of their uh, religious belief, which is a religious belief in, in a lack of religion. Um, I think I think guys like uh, Yuval are, are, are genuinely convinced that that we that we will be gods, that we can be gods. And by the way, let's just say he's right, okay? Let's just say he's right. I don't think he's right. In fact, I know he's not right after talking with uh, this gentleman I keep mentioning. I, I'm not going to give you his name because, not because I promised I wouldn't, but because uh, because I didn't ask for permission to, so that's what we're going to do. But nevertheless, um, he's made a point repeatedly about the, the, the complexity of the thing is so infinitely greater than they think it is. It is so much greater than they think it is. But let's say he could do it. Let's say he's able to build an artificial intelligence machine that's smarter than we are, and then is capable of going on and building more machines. Let's just say he gets everything he wants. What a cheap kind of a god is that, you know? Not a bargain basement god. Isn't that kind of a in that kind of a, a, a dash top bobby head, bobbling head kind of, you know, god? Yes, I've made a machine that can go out there and can reproduce certain aspects of the human brain better than we can do them. Therefore I'm God. Really? Okay. You didn't put the molecules together to make the tin that this tin man is made out of, did you? No. Did you create the, they will inhabit the earth, they will, these creatures, 
in, in 200 years, uh, we will be largely extinct and will be, the Earth will be populated by creatures that are more that are more different than us than we are from Neanderthals and chimpanzees. Let's say you could do it. You still just made a complicated toaster, right? You didn't make the chimpanzee, did you? You didn't make the grass, you didn't make the planet, you didn't make the trees, you didn't make any of that stuff that is on Earth doing, yes? You have created a complex machine. And as I tried to point out in technocracy, a complex machine is less complex than a, than a bad screenplay is. Considerably less complex, let's say a bad movie. Far less complex, because because of all of the shades of reality that these people cannot see. They're, they're inside the frame. Eric Blay says, what shall it benefit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Jeez, Eric, that's a, quite a quote. Did you come up with that? Uh, no, but that's it. That's it. So, um, you know. It's, it's the arrogance of these people that have gotten into this trouble. And it's the arrogance of the financial people and arrogance, 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 lack of humility and total, total disrespect for and, um, and condescension to regular people who are smarter than they are. That's, that's that. Um, okay. Uh, the second one is... Uh, with regard to the Great Reset, I know I've linked it before, but it really is looking at the charts on this page. Uh, what happened in 1971.com, which will show how much manipulation to society is switching to a fiat currency. There's no need for a single reset moment of zeroing accounts when inflation and currency manipulation can just pull it off in the space of a handful of years. Yes, I understand the theory behind this. I do. I understand you can inflate yourself out of debt, but I, I don't... That's not only possible, but it's likely I don't fully understand this, but in 20, you know, 30 thousand billion dollars is an awful lot of inflation over a handful of years what kind of inflation would it take the, the numbers i did were that it would take six and a half over six and a half years of every single dollar that median american makes in order to pay the debt now um that's everything you know everything and i don't think I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if the system will last long enough. I do know that, that, that we have not had an economy in the way we understand the term for quite a long time. Um, and yeah, um, if, if Eric points out, if you mean hyperinflation, yeah, I suppose that kind of inflation could probably do it. And, and the negligible cost to these people would just ruin, you know, couple billion lives, but small price to pay uh, to get your, your bank accounts uh, squared away. What I don't like about this whole thing is I don't like how much it makes me sound like the people who I despise. I really don't like that at all. So either they're onto something or they've completely missed the boat or whatever, I don't know. But nevertheless, uh, businessmen are not what they were when I was growing up. At least, at least more of them are not. I guess when you get into guys like J. Pierpont Morgan and, you know, uh, Rockefellers and the Carnegies and all those guys. Was he like the Carnegie? Was like Carnegie came to America with, what, $24 in his pocket, he said? And Carnegie took a bunch of risks and made himself out of nothing. It's the Carnegie Foundation that's doing all the evil. It wasn't so much Carnegie. He made Carnegie Hall. Unless that's a coincidence. Maybe it was 
It was a different company. You may not know this, but the, uh, but the light bulb was actually not invented by Thomas Edison, but by another guy with the same name. Okay, well, those are both interesting, and I'm going to, I mean, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to click on this link now because uh, you know how the brain works and with the brain, I mean my brain. So I'm going to bring up the page, and I'm going to put it on my, uh, on my, um, my bar. Well, <laughs> it is pretty spectacular. Yeah, look at this. Here's just one chart, and I, and, I, and I get the basics of what this chart means, but just look at this. Uh, oops. You see where the, um, where the branches just start to, uh, right there where the arrow is? Reading from the top down, those of you with my kind of eyes are on a real small device. The top line is real GDP per capita. Below that is real GDP per FTE. Below that is uh, average real real wage, uh, and then the yellow orange one is average real wave, average real wage with a different measurement, and then the bottom red one is real median weekly earnings of full time workers, consumer price index. So at that arrow, we started to be able to print our own money, and then look at the prior to this. Look at how all of these lines were in very 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 close agreement. In other words. When GDP went up, wages went up. But when we created fiat money, GDP is the top line, wages are the bottom line. Yes. Um, thank you. I will, I will go and give this the, uh, the sound thrashing that it deserves. Thank you very much for the question and, and for the link. Appreciate that. Moving on. Thanks, Ian. Uh, hey, Gemold, who I think is in the house. There, there, there's Gemold right there. Um, Okay, Bill, this isn't a question, but a suggestion. With Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine, are you suggesting that I, that I stop him? I will. I'll go. But if I go, I want my own F-16, and I want, and I want to have some time in the F-16 to get to know it before I go. Um, with Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine, I think it would be a good idea to do a one-off video discussing the topic with a man that specializes in political commentary in Eastern Europe. My suggestion is... Lucian Valsan. He's a Romanian YouTuber that suffered socialism under the Soviet Union and really knows his stuff when it comes to Putin, Russia, and Eastern Europe in general. He's under no illusions with Vladimir Putin, and I'm not either, actually. His channel is called uh, Freedom Alternative. It's full of useful information on that part. I'd highly recommend it. So now what I'm going to do is the exact same thing. I'm going to click on that link. Well, if this guy's as good as you say he is, he needs more views because he's, a, I mean, I was getting, routinely getting hundreds of thousands of views. Now, I now I'm lucky if I get tens of thousands of views. He's got uh, seven, eight hundred views, and that means that he needs some, some people to send some traffic his way, and I will do that to the best of my ability because, yeah, just looking at the topics, it's really profound. You know, th this kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show with the whole animation thing, Second, the second channel and all that other stuff and that is that the way people the way that I got to put this in the pitch too the way that people are are learning things is different than it was when we started doing this and not everybody was willing to sit down and listen to a, a 10 minute firewall or a 6 minute firewall let alone a 26 minute firewall when I started doing this 12 years ago and that number is much smaller now um, 
so uh, yeah, I'll go with the F-22. I, I was going to give the, I, I said the F-16 instead of the F-22 uh, just to give the Russians a chance and make it a fair fight. Uh, so um, what I'm going to do, uh, Jamal, is I'm going to take a look at these things um, and because uh, this is a top recommendation and, and your comments have been really, really interesting. And, uh, and so I will, I will get to do that. By the way, I don't know if you've seen these things. I guess I got them ads on um, Instagram uh, where it's basically they're saying, you know, I like to study. I just don't like to read. Liar. Uh, half half line. You don't like to study and you don't like to read. Uh, people who like to read generally like to study. I read five hours a day. I think four or five hours a day minimum, I would say. That's what I do every day. I read about five hours a day. Now, at my reading speed, that comes to a couple paragraphs or maybe a page or two, so it takes me a while to catch up. But nevertheless, I do spend a lot of time uh, reading. Anyway, this um, this ad is for an app, and it's just a very simple converts text to audio. So you see them, you know, it's almost it's not it's not as bad as the old infomercials were. You know, it's like <laughs> I used to love those things actually. Have you ever tried breaking an egg to make us to make a, a you know an omelet? Oh, egg falls in the fire. <laughs> the woman's face is burned. Ah, running around, hair's on fire. You know, house burns down. Yeah, it's just so un inconvenient um but uh Jack with Suzanne headbands too all right anyway um so I will um I will see what what I can do about that M -m -m moving on topic JR he's got a very he's got his he's got a he's got an icon of um it's a meme guy. It's mean meme guy. I miss memes. I mean, I miss the glory days of memes with, um, you know, um, why you don't and uh, and forever alone guy and um, those days. There was a period for about a year there where they were just really humming. Uh, anyway, topic: two part suggestions. Two part question involving election processes. Uh, do you believe, assuming no further election fraud and cheating, a Republican presidential candidate can still win the popular vote, i.e. a solid majority versus just a plurality? It seems that we allegedly lost the popular vote in eight of the nine presidential elections. I know the popular vote doesn't matter and the president is elected by the states, but do you really think highly partisan large states and like California and New York will always tilt the national mood in the Democrats' favor? Most of our national elections over the past two or three decades have been about 50-50, give or take a few percentage points. True. But we always seem to get less votes than the Democratic candidate. It also seems like Republicans' leads in states like Texas, Montana, and Arizona get smaller and smaller with each election cycle. Also feels that way to me, too. If Democrats finally take Texas, then I fear it's all over for us. Unfortunately, it seems like the Reagan 49-state 70-30 landslide victories for Republicans are long over. This may just me be feeling pessimistic and negative, but the trend doesn't look so good. Am I reading this correctly, or is there hope? Um, we're going to find out in a couple of months, um, JR, but let's not forget what caused that Reagan landslide, right? Let's, I mean, I was there for it, and I was on the wrong side of that issue. I'm embarrassed to say, but truth is truth, and, you know, just because it makes me look like an idiot doesn't mean, doesn't need to be said. Uh, what, what, 
what gave us that Reagan landslide was Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter's incompetence, the, the sense that Americans would have to do less, the sense that we, would, that we were in decline, the sense that we were um, outgunned, that our military wasn't working anymore, the economy was stagnant, all of this stuff. That's what gave us, that's what gave us the Reagan landslide. I know we did better in the second election than the first one. He, he, he three, 4,000 votes away from running the table. He just barely didn't make it in Minnesota. I think it was Minnesota. Um, yeah. Um, uh, so that was the that was the worst the country has been in my lifetime was uh 1980s late 70s early 80s late 70s really late 70s miserable time and along comes uh the guy and boom americans wanted their future back uh what we're seeing now is so appalling i i, I hate to keep driving this nail home but i took a lot of grief for this and and I wish it weren't true, but <laughs> welcome to my world. I wish I'm wrong about everything, pretty much everything. Not, always, not everything, but virtually everything I pray to God I'm wrong about. But unfortunately, I'm usually not wrong about these things. And, and when I was saying the only way to get through this stuff is to give it to people, the only way to get, to get woke out of your system is to give you a woke society. The only way to, to get socialism out of people's head is to give it to them. That, uh, that's just what... That's just what looks, that's what the evidence indicates to me around the world and throughout history, right? The more comfortable we are in a capitalist society, the more we are willing to look at socialism as a way to more equitably distribute, distribute all this wealth. Great, what could go wrong? There is no wealth, but they don't see it. So you have to actually give it to them. And now the super liberals who are doing all the Democratic Party fundraisers are getting murdered in their own bedrooms because because their Democratic Party has said things like defund the police. And now the hard, you know, the, the, the core of the Democratic Party, which is used to be blue collar workers, those are by and large Republicans now. Uh, the, the, the further the left goes to the left, the smaller its, its um, base gets. Now, many, if not most of them, end up being Republicans by default, but that's no, we don't deserve any credit for that. You know, nobody's out there trying to get people. I am. I'm trying to get young people to say, oh, that's cool. I don't want to be like those Democrat guys. They're just a bunch of walking zombies. And they're ancient and old, and their policies smell bad, and so do their, and so do their residences. Um, but the, the anecdotal evidence and the, and, the, and the, forget the anecdotal evidence, the polling of it, all of it, the, the Democrats had the House, the Senate, and the presidency in 2008, and in 2010, there was an enormous, enormous Republican wave that got the House back. I think this is going to be several times that. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think that people's um, reluctance to vote against America's first black president, even in an off uh, presidential year, is there for Joe Biden anymore. Now, the idiots and the, and the, the demented and the and the dotards in society will come out fighting for Biden hard, but they just won't get to the, you know, election booth on the on the right day. Um, Marusa says, "Purge the rhinos and neocons." I don't really like that word purge, uh, but the sentiment is correct. I used to talk about this all the time. You know, this was the this was always the argument to me. It's like Ronald Reagan. Ran the table, right? Three thousand votes away from fifty states. 
win in 84. Ronald Reagan's Coca-Cola, right? And then the Democrats are Pepsi. And the Democrats are putting all of their limited resources into the future. So in the great cola wars, the Democrats are saying, um, hey, you know, Pepsi, the drink of a new generation. We, we can't outspend Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is the most predominant brand in the world back in the late 80s, early 90s when this happened. So we're going to focus on the future. We're going to put all of our money into young people because when they get older, they're going to marry other Pepsi drinkers. And then when they go shopping, they're going to bring Pepsi home for their Pepsi kids. And that was a smart strategy. So Pepsi's market share continues to grow. And then Coke panics. And they make the biggest mistake in the history of business, well, at least to date. Coke sees Pepsi gaining on them. So Coke basically says, well, we need to come up with something that tastes more like Pepsi. So they come up with New Coke. And New Coke is not what Coke drinkers want, and it's not what Pepsi drinkers want. It's just plain garbage. It's panic. And the reason this applies to what we're talking about here is when we go at conservative philosophy, what is different from us versus, versus the Democrats? You know? Well, that's the difference between Coke and Pepsi. New Coke is us saying... Well, the Democrats want a 17% increase in the in the state in the in the income tax rate. It's ridiculous, 17%. We think it should be 13%. You know, if you come out and say we don't think it should be any income tax at all, now you've got Coke and Pepsi. Now people will decide, but we never do it. We always, always, always try to take that that middle ground because nobody's got the guts or the balls basically to simply go out and sell the message. And, the, and every time you do sell the message, you win, 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 win. But they don't see it. And that's not the problem, by the way. The problem is, is that conservatism is about limiting government. It's about making government smaller and reducing its power. And it takes a special kind of politician to go to Washington and reduce his or her own power. It takes somebody who doesn't need it and who doesn't want it. And the problem with that is, it's very hard to get those people to run. Now, I have a friend who's a, who's a, a businessman who I haven't known for a long time or, or for a long period of time together, but who I got to know very well in a short period of time, and that is Gary Rabon. And, and, and Gary is running for um, uh, governor of Illinois. He is, he calls himself the, um, I don't remember if he called himself the, the ditch digger engineer, uh, the ditch digger millionaire, the, I, I'm embarrassed to say I've forgotten. But Gary Rabine um, runs a business paving people's parking lots is what he does for a living. He grew up in a house where they had to go wash out in, in a hole in the, in, in the back, in the, you know, in a, in a pond. They chuck some soap in, in, in this muddy water. That's what he, that's what he came from. And Gary Rabine is a real guy. He's a genuine guy. He's made a lot of money, and he's made a lot of money because he works very, very, very hard a lot of the time. And furthermore, he he provides excellent service and he invests his money in providing better service. Now he's got, when I last talked to him was a couple years ago, he was talking about, yeah, we're gonna, we're using like Google data and satellite data. And basically what we can do now is we can just basically say to somebody who owns a shopping mall, here's an image of your thing. You know, you've got this many square feet and we think that this would be the kind of thing for the high traffic area and this guy, you know, just boom. It's like he's, he takes it seriously. And he is a genuine, honest to God conservative. And, uh, and I'm thinking of moving to Illinois just to vote for him and then moving back. Um, nevertheless, uh, that's the kind of thing that wins elections. And I don't know how Gary's going to do, but, but I don't care about polls. 
he is the real deal. And I know he's the real deal because I've spent real time with him. And I know he cares about these things and, and is not one of these politicians. I know people up in northern Idaho who are, who are, are, are just... They get into politics because they can't stand what's happening anymore. And it'd be nice if it turned out that they didn't have to go that far. But one of the things that the left does, the left meaning the media and you know, the professional politicians, the whole, the whole, in, the whole left-wing industrial complex, they've made elections so nasty that you have to be insane to want to run for office. And that suits people who are social climbers who, who realize it's easier to tax a business than to run a business. Those people like this. Um, but uh, to get people who are good at things and who don't need to be in politics, to get them to run is really tough. Um, uh, political animal, I don't know what MTG is, uh, but it's somebody, I guess. Um, Mateus the Giant? I don't, I don't know. Uh, Anyway, um, so part two of the question. I've always advocated for an electoral style, electoral college style gubernatorial election for large states like New York and California. Here in New York, New York City, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Wow. Be happy to talk to anybody. Uh, here in New York, New York City controls states like, controls state politics by 20 points and the rest of the state doesn't even have a shot. Yeah, that's gotta suck. It's the same with California, right? If you look at if you look at California votes in terms of by actual voting places, California is a red state. It's just that the little blue dots have got an awful lot of blue in them. Um, as a result, the the rest of the state north of Westchester is largely ignored. Its economy is shrinking. It's become part of the Rust Belt. I live in the Hudson Valley north of I eighty four, and it's suffering. I think limiting large cities' influence over state elections would produce better governance. Large cities have the most people, but I feel in order to, for the city to get their candidate in office, enough of the rest of the state has to agree with them. Otherwise, the urban areas shouldn't get what they always want. Your thoughts? My thoughts are on this, JR, because you're very clear with that question. Um, my thoughts are if we don't start breaking states up into smaller states, then I think that's it for the, for the union. I think that's the only answer. Uh, the it's not just New York. The now the, the in the in the megatrend scale, cities are done. Cities are on their way out, and there's nothing you can do about it. You don't need cities anymore. The fact that we're talking now means I don't have to be at a TV studio. I can do this from my um, luxury uh, suite here on the 97th floor of the, of, of the Bill Enterprises building in Los Angeles, but I could do it from, from a garage anywhere I wanted to. Um, so, so that kind of thing is going to take a while, decades, two, two decades at least, for cities to completely depopulate themselves. Um, but with the population concentration in the cities what it is now and with the democratic control over media public housing public transit you know uh, food stamps all this other stuff they control enough people to win elections that are way too concentrated in terms of their um well their uh, their role in american diversity it's it's despite everything they say the the 
the core of the Democratic Party is the least diverse part of America. So it, it's urban. And urban. when I say urban, I don't mean black. If I meant black, I would have said black. When I say urban, I mean it is city people, which consists of black urbanites and also consists of, you know, the big city liberals. And they're the ones who actually make the decisions and have the power. So I think that in order for, look, people, Countries go down the tube when people no longer feel like the system works and, and the system is not working. California is a catastrophe and California is the most beautiful place in the world. Now, if you broke California up into five or six different states, I wouldn't have to move out of California. I could just move north a little bit. Um, and, and the people in, in these areas have no representation because of San Francisco and Los Angeles to a lesser degree, San Diego. The, it's the most populous state in the union still, although God knows they're working on that as hard as they can. The, um, and, and, and the vast, vast area of California has no representation and, and no hope for representation, just like in New York. A 20, 30 point lead, it's, it's insurmountable lead. And if it turned out that somebody was making gains on it, it looked like it would be surmountable, then I have a feeling that electronic voting and, and, and mail-in ballots and all the rest of it would make sure that the lead is protected. So if it turns out that you were to break the, the, let's just say for the sake of the argument, right, just to make the point, stay on target, stay on target. Okay, let's say for the sake of the argument, instead of 100 instead of 50 states, we had 100. And let's say that those additional 50 states were carve-outs of, of the major urban areas. So you take you take the United States as it is now, and you draw little, you draw 50 circles around the most populated areas of America and make every one of those a state. Now, California has two or three states that are, that are um, governed that way. And I'm not talking about area and so on and so forth. What I'm saying is the rest of California could then be, you know, could be, do it the other way if you want to, just have, have the conservative areas secede. That probably makes more sense. But in any event, you get the idea. We don't have representation. We don't, we don't have it. And everybody feels this way. And when the ruling elites get to not only flaunt the law at every opportunity, I'm talking to you, Hillary, just commit all these crimes in plain sight in front of everybody, just walk away smiling, okay, or crying or drinking as the case may be, um, then that lose, you lose faith in the system. And when, and when you have the kind of electoral irregularities that we had in 2020, whether it was a legitimate election or not, and I certainly have an opinion, opinion on that, but even if it was, the fact that there was so much doubt about it and the fact that there was no effort to clarify this tells me that no, there was something really, really, really wrong with that. Because if it turns out that, that the election was, was authentic, as, as some people seem to believe, then shooting down the, um, the people who say, no, it was, it was corrupt, should be fairly easy. Uh, if I'm confident of a position, I'm more than happy to debate that position, because if I really know it to be true, then I'll win that debate. And the reason I'll win that debate is because I know what I'm talking about, and truth is on my side. So, um, you know, when you no longer have... Uh, faith in the electoral system, then you are no longer represented. You, you, you have, they've broken the agreement, which says we agree to be governed 
so long as you agree that we decide who does the governing and the people that do the governing have to obey the same laws as we do. They've hit both of those pillars now. And so it's now the clock is ticking. It's just a matter of time. Um, yeah, uh, Lady Hawk says they don't want a debate. They just want you to shut up. And, and by the way, that's a circular argument. Uh, you know, Lady Hawk, I, I don't mean it's a reverse argument. It means anytime somebody's telling you to shut up, you know those people are, are wrong. That's a, that's, a, that's a truism. If you have two positions that are in disagreement and one of those positions is trying to get the other one to shut up, those are the people who are in the wrong. Every time. Every time, every time, every time. Um, anyway, so um, uh, I, I think that's really about the only hope we have right now. Uh, for that. Okay, CK, uh, sorry, GK Masterson. She's got a long one. Yeah, another one there. It's just not, oh my God, it's just not possible. Wow. All right, let me see what I can do with these. Uh, just, there's still a lot of ground to cover. All right, here we go. This is nice, small uh, type. Excuse me while I. Deface myself here. That's um. That's a. That's um. Um. That's the bill with a form. I recognize the type. I would probably wear the glasses, except the reflections are, you know, too much. You can't see my beady little eyes that way. Uh, okay, so uh, GK Masterson. Uh, on the off chance that Bill gets to this, here's my question for the week. I took this question because of the off chance thing. I just it, it was a dare. During last dress for your lounge, I made the remark that perhaps a lot of the increase in LGBT whatever du jour was caused by an increased use of chemical birth control. It's a scientific fact that since the 1960s, more and more women have been using hormonal birth control methods, the pill, the depot shot, implants, etc., to prevent pregnancy until they want to be pregnant. It's also a fact that a lot of the excess hormones are excreted through the skin and urine directly into our water supply via showering and bathing and flushing the toilet. Do you think there is any validity to the hypothesis that this high dose dump of nearly pure estrogen in our water supply could be having a biochemical impact on fetuses, babies, toddlers, children, and adults, which would result in an alteration in sexual preference and gender identity as those chemicals can also work to possibly alter the normal, also alter the hormone wash during pregnancy and childhood up to adolescence and possibly beyond. And then there's some more coming. Let me just answer that aspect of it. Yes, I think that I think there is some some pretty good evidence that this is true. I've also heard uh, I, I, I haven't looked into this, so I can't tell you how true this is. But I've also heard that uh, these guys um, also uh, produce a lot of um, estrogen and so on. And and there's no question that uh, men are becoming much more feminized. They're they they're they're lacking uh, strong features. They're flabbier. They're they're softer. Their their voices are higher. Uh, there's no you look at just just look at the men that were in a commercial in the 50s. You don't even have to look at commercial. Look at look at um, look at John Hamm when he's on camera as Don Draper. And then look at John Hamm when he's being John Hamm. Uh, 
when he's being John Hamm, he looks like a kid. You know, he's wearing a T-shirt and a scruffy little thing. Now, John Hamm's John Hamm, good-looking guy. He's a, but the reason he got the role was because he's one of the last guys in Hollywood now to actually look like a man he used to look like in the, in the 50s and 60s. When you see John Hamm in that suit and tie in Mad Men, that's what men used to look like here, not not like kids and boys. Saw the exact same thing. I saw John Hammond in an interview, and I thought, ah, oh, it's so depressing. You know, he's so powerful and so good in, in, in um, Mad Men, and now he just looks like a, just like an actor. And I saw the exact same thing again with, um, with one of my favorite movies called The Artist, uh, which is a silent movie, came out several years ago. Beautiful movie. Uh, lead actor in that is French, and, and the actress maybe too. And it takes place in the 30s and, I think, late 20s, 30s. And, and they're all in tuxedos and she's in gowns and it's like, it's like you know, Stare and Rogers and all the rest of it. And he looks so good and she looks so good. They look like beautiful woman, a handsome man. And then you see them doing the, uh, you know, the, the, the press junket and they're both just slouching and they look pretty much identical. You know, they got the same length hair. And they're wearing the same clothes. They're all wearing jeans and T-shirts. They're just like a bunch of kids. And they look, and it just, you realize how far things have gone. How far things have gone. Um, now, uh, to continue here, she says, it's my personal belief that this hypothesis could account for the increase in instances of male and female hormone, homosexual preference, transgender identity, and other deviations from the norm. Now, before I go any further, I'll read the rest of it. Um, I think that, well, there's, I'd be very interested in knowing what, um, I'd be very interested in knowing what the actual chemical load is because I think most of these things are largely, largely cultural. I don't think there's much difference. This is my theory. But I don't think that the difference between kids today and kids when I was kids has to do with chemicals so much as it does with the culture. Um, uh, although, um, I don't know if I mentioned this, when we were, uh, Natasha and I were down at the zoo. Um, I think I mentioned this last week or week before. Went down to the San Diego Zoo for our birthdays. And just as we're getting ready to go, we see this group of kids coming through there. And I looked at the least fat of those kids, and I thought, we would have called that kid husky in, when I was a kid. He would definitely be uh, you know, a fat kid by the standards of the rest of us. And he was, the, he was the smallest one in the group, and that's because there's high fructose corn syrup in everything. So that's, that's no question just chemical intake difference. But I have to tell you, when I look at some of these woke transgender teaching aids, um, it's a miracle that more kids don't identify as transgender because here you are in a time trying to find your identity and everybody's pushing you to, you know, you, know, you could be like, a, you could be a regular person or you could be a special person. And not only a special person, you could be a protected special person. You'd be a special person who we, are, who, who society's building this steel shell around. And for you know, for a lot of kids, that both of those things are very appealing. The, the, I don't know how much of it is due to the fact that that it just simply wasn't an option on the table before. 
And, and I, I certainly think that the vast majority, the vast majority of them are, are doing it because it's expected of them. That's the term I'm, I'm looking for. It's expected of them. It, it, it is, it is open, it used to be tacitly encouraged, now it's openly encouraged. Uh, you know, uh, what's the matter, uh, Johnny? You're looking out the window a lot. Are, are you thinking about maybe you're in the wrong clothes? Is that is that what the problem is? I notice you're distracted. Uh, you think? Would you like to step into our um, into our you know secret closet here and and put on whatever clothes maybe you know you feel comfortable in? Now, if somebody had offered that to me when I was a kid, I would have said, "Get bent," you know, I'm dressing up like a girl. Are you out of your mind? But that's because. I had no desire to dress like a girl. Oh, those were the good old days. Now, you should see my wardrobe. Um, and the shoulder-length uh, gloves, I just look fabulous. Um, but really, it, it's... Yeah, Eric's right. It says, people telling tomboys that maybe they're really men. I never, I never thought of tomboys as transsexuals. I always thought of them as... Girls who were, you know, cooler than than the the rest of these strange creatures. Um, I never once thought of them as. I just thought that tomboys were like girls who got it. You know, what you want to want to go ride a bike and, you know, play baseball and roll down this hill and get you know grass in your teeth that kind of thing. Yeah, all right then. Hooray. Um, so the, so you know, there's just so much pushing them in this direction that when you see these numbers of things, you know, boom. Now, now, at the same time, the number of, of uh, I, my understanding is that autism has, has grown by a factor of 300. That's not, that's not nurture, that's not the environment. That's something, that's something very different. I think it's, it's possible that uh, the use of devices at an early age, like the one that just dinged just now. Uh, audio message from my wife, which I'll get to when the show is over. Because she knows I'm on the air. How dare she interrupt my... <sighs> I heard the chimes at midnight. Um, so, I look, I can remember, vaguely remember, barely remember hearing the adults complaining about television ruining society because parents were going to simply park their kids in front of the TV and that would um, that would mean they wouldn't get as much time with their parents and that's exactly what happened and I and I know that the parents of the people who said that said the same thing about radio and all the rest of it but I happen to think that they're right um, for people today I mean almost as a social experiment, I want to take a group of 12-year-olds and I want to make them decide, you got to sit in a room for an hour, okay? No devices, nothing, it's all gone. Everything's gone, you're, gonna, you're locked in this windowless room for an hour, and you all get to decide whether you'd rather watch 60 Minutes or Hee Haw. Those are your choices, that's what you get. Um, now, on some level, that does tend to build up your... Um, attention span, and it also exposes you to things you wouldn't be exposed to otherwise. But it's so 
it's so, um, well, I don't know, boring is probably the word I'm looking for. Um, and I don't know what that has to do with it, the transgender thing, but it, it undoubtedly will occur to me later. Um, and then she goes on to say, uh, uh, talked about deviations from the norm, and she went to tr great trouble to say deviations from the norm, meaning a deviation from the norm, not that these people are deviants or so on. But you don't have to say that here, you know. They're not normal. They don't want to be normal. Normal's a, normal is a, is a, is a, 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 being called a normie is a term of great um, uh, disrespect to them. They don't want to be normal. Normies are the, you know, those are the, the knuckle dragon smiths out there. Um, but they're not normal. They're abnormal. I'm abnormally tall. I'm not freakishly tall, but I'm abnormally tall. I'm taller than the mean. By, I don't know, by a standard deviation or two. I'm, ab I'm abnormally tall. I'm not crazy tall. I'm 6'1". And that's not like, wow, look, a guy is 6'1". No. But that's probably two inches taller than the uh, average male in America. So that means I'm not normal there. Uh, and there's a lot of other areas where I'm not normal either. Uh, and some of them I'm proud of and some of them I'm not proud of. But to say that you can't use the term is to take away not only language, but to take away a really important concept. Normal, you know. You slice a sandwich diagonally, that's the normal way you do it. And you can't, um, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, just not, I'm just not gonna destroy the language because some people are, have their feelings hurt by words that have no emotional baggage with them, they're simply descriptors. If you don't like what it's describing, that's actually your problem, not the word's problem. Um, uh, G.K. Masterson says, I'm freakishly intelligent for a woman. And that would have been a cool statement, but then she follows it up with 158, which is, which is a pretty high number. I have not ever, I've done a couple of the online IQ tests, but I'd like to do a real one, you know, one that's administered by psychologists. And uh, I've always wanted to take one of those, but I didn't want to throw the psychiatric world into turmoil. And, you know, I think of all of the media and all of the, you know, TV coverage, and I just don't need my privacy ruined by that. You know, IQ tests not that important for me, really, honestly, compared to, you know, the loss of privacy and the loss of, uh, you know, dignity and stuff that would... That would um, would occur when you know when that number got published. So, I just I just decided to stay out. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so anyway, um, she goes on to say that said, I would not like to see a return to the era of women being completely unable to control their ability to decide when to get pregnant or not. I agree. Instead, I would advocate for stricter control over decontaminating the water supply. Just as we only allow a certain amount of parts per million of fecal matter in our water supply, and that number is zero, by the way, for those of you who may be worried about this, zero. Zero parts per billion. Uh, uh, zero parts per trillion, actually, is what it is. 
Uh, I would say we should look into ways to decrease the number of parts per million hormones in the water supply. However, that is going to cut into a lot of profit margins and would require stricter government oversight. So how do you think we could do this without breaking the bank or sacrificing uh, necessary freedoms? Well, there's always this, but uh, again, like I said, um, there's some concern that the plastic in these things is not doing us any good, is not doing the water any good. You know, this is the kind of thing that, that, that somebody should fund. It's not, in the grand scheme of things, it's not, it's not buying Twitter expensive. It's a perfectly legitimate, perfectly legitimate expenditure of money, government money, but I wouldn't trust the government with the results. That's how far things have gone. I would like to know how much estrogen and other hormones, and, and in fact, I'd like to know everything that's in the water. Because while I don't drink tap water, I, well, I do. It's, I drink nothing but tap water. I just drink an awful lot of sweet tea, awful lot. And uh, I just turn the, pap, the tap on. So I'm just drinking the tap water like just like nobody else out here. Um, and uh, however, if I'm going to just drink water, uh, this stuff, somebody put pineapple juice in my pineapple juice. This is bottled water because bottled water does taste a lot better than tap water. No question about that. I'll tell you what, though, um, when I was a boy in Bermuda, we used to, our, most of our water in Bermuda came from rainwater. We collected off of the roofs. We had white lime on the roofs, and it would just go into cisterns, and then they did something to it. Because I've looked into those cisterns, and that's not pretty at all. But rainwater was basically the, the water supply for Bermuda. And when something happened to the rain, I guess it stopped raining for a while. I remember my dad made some, made some really big... Um, you know, brownie points with the island because the hotel he had at a desalination facility. It's one of like two or three on the island at the time. And he, as I recall, I was very young at the time, he basically just said, bring whatever containers down, you can have whatever water we can we can put out of this. And so that's, my dad was a good businessman. Um, I mean, a, a really good manager anyway. Um, so, uh, Oh, I remember. So we grew up uh, on rainwater in Bermuda, which is not terribly tasty. What I can remember very clearly is when we would make the annual trip to visit our cousins in Pennsylvania, up in um, Plymouth Meeting, up on Germantown Pike there. Uh, we would come in and uh, from Bermuda, and then we would go into the house and we'd have a glass of water. That's what we used to do when we were kids when I was a kid. You want, are you thirsty? Yes, here's a glass. Walk over to the sink. Here's some water. Fantastic. And if you're not inside, you can drink it out of the hose, which is delicious, by the way. I don't think I've ever enjoyed drinking as much uh, uh, anything ever as much as I like drinking just tap water out of a hose outside. Because usually you're really, really, really thirsty. But drink it out of a hose, man. That was the bomb. But when we got to Pennsylvania and we drank the we we drank the um, the water there, the water just tasted so damn good like, it's just fantastic it just tasted like i want some more of this water it's fantastic it was, i guess it's a mineral content or something anyway i'd like to know what's in what's in the water i really would like to know you know hose water and if you grew up in florida um you have to uh you have to be wise about these things you can make this mistake once but you won't make it twice if you try to drink hose water in florida in the afternoon 
you will burn the living daylights out of your mouth. You will burn your mouth. You have to basically just let the entire volume of the hose out and then some more. In fact, I don't know if Phil's watching or anything. He's usually watching. When we were doing planetarium shows, we put titles up there with a with a very, very high contrast film because there, there was no video back when it was all chemicals. A very, very high contrast film stock called Codolith. And the bane of our existence, mine particularly, was that the Codolith was not contrasty enough. We would put, when we throw a slide up onto the dome, we would want the word, attitude, for example, to be just the word, and we wouldn't want to see the frame of the slide. So, since the Codolith wasn't coming out as dark as we liked, that meant that guys like me and Phil and everybody else, Bill Deshong, all of us, Doug, we all had to sit there and spend hours and hours and hours and hours with a slide in a, in a mount with a little, tiny little paintbrush and dip it into this opaquing stuff and we just opaque out the slide. It was horrendous and it looked like crap on the dome too. It was just garbage. Garbage. I don't know how many slides I opaqued. I opaqued thousands and thousands of them. I hated every second of it. But when we try to figure out what it was, why we couldn't get the code lift to work the way we wanted to, it's because it's because the groundwater out of the tap in in um, in Florida is too warm. It's coming out. It's coming out of the faucet in the in the 80s and you know mid 80s to high 80s sometimes. We couldn't get the water cold enough. We figured that out afterwards. Um, but nevertheless, that's uh, that's you know there you go. Uh, I do have ADD, no question. I have. A, if 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 there are um, if there are letters involved, chances are I've got it, and uh, if they're capital letters, then I've certainly got it. Uh, that's just just the kind of guy I am. I collect these things. Moving on, uh, Judy Sheiks. I'm gonna finish this BillWhittle.com thing. So help me God. Uh, hi, Judy. New foramite. Good to see you. And that is a fine-looking creature on your um, avatar there. From the Wayback Machine, I stumbled across a sit-down you did with Dave Rubin five years ago, looking back at the nexus of what I think is the most powerful group of conservative thinkers we have today. Did you, Dave, Jeremy, Ben, at all have any idea of your future successes? And is there any possibility of future collaborations? Well, uh, in terms of the five years ago, the future successes of Bill, Dave, Jeremy, and Ben uh, were really bright for three of the four. Uh, and three of the four have done very, very well. The fourth one uh, has done what he's always done, and that is follow his star. Uh, and, and that star, of course, is Pam Anderson. Uh, no, but these guys have all gone, they've all done very well from themselves through their own effort and their own dedication and their own focus on all of these things. They've earned every penny and they've earned all of that audience and, and all of it. And I haven't done as well as them. And the reason I haven't done as well as them is because this is not where my focus is. My focus is, is on the stuff I just showed you. My focus is storytelling. That's what I do. That's what I do, and when I do a when I do a firewall well, it's because it's a good story. It's because I managed to take political stuff and turn that into a, a good story. But but I don't 
Ben Shapiro as an example of one of the, and, and Dave Rubin as well for that example. Um, those guys are exactly where they want to be doing what, Ben Shapiro is doing what he was made to do. Ben Shapiro was built to be Ben Shapiro. And the stuff that I'm doing is not the stuff that, I'm, that I want to do. Sometimes I get close to the stuff I want to do. I think probably the closest I've gotten consistently, and this is still a long way from where I really want to be, but uh, both uh, political animal, but the, the first one solves the second one. Um, but just as an example, because of the success of Ben and, and uh, Jeremy, uh, I was able to do the Apollo 11 series, which I think is, um, is the best uh, the best work I've done. And the reason I think it was the best work I've done was because even though it was not a, a straight drama, feature type storytelling, it was, I had the freedom because of Jeremy, I had the freedom to be as theatrical with it as I wanted to. And then honestly, when I saw, when I saw the, um, the set, I just, I just wrote for the set, and and that Apollo Eleven thing was when I say it was closer to, to the kind of thing I, I really really where my head is. That's the only time I ever felt the Apollo Eleven thing was the only time I ever did political commentary that I felt like I was one hundred percent where I needed to be at that time, uh, and. Uh, and Sergio, thank you very much, says the Cold War series is right up there with Apollo. I agree, but Apollo was on video, and Cold War wasn't, and America's Forgotten Heroes was shot on video, but he, Jeremy just didn't like the way it looked, so there is some discussion about us getting a chance to... I said to Jeremy, look, as far as the Cold War and America's Forgotten Heroes go, as far as I'm concerned, 98.5% of the total work necessary to put it on video is already done, and that's the writing. That's, I could come in there in a spiffy suit, and I could, I could just, just read this stuff off a teleprompter and deliver it really well, just like I did with Apollo. If you want to turn it into video, it's actually um, easy. But... Uh, so I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious there, but not much. These guys are, are doing what they're, what they're made to do. And, uh, and the thing about this uh, little outfit of ours is that somehow or another, uh, through a process that never ceases to amaze me and one that I've never ceased to be grateful for, I've managed to find enough people who, who, who f can, can see the star I'm following and, and they've allowed me to uh, they've allowed me to keep uh, doing this because um, because I, I have had opportunities to go and work for Daily Wire and I may end up having to take them someday uh, but that would be and I would do good work there but I wouldn't do the work that I, that I really want to do and um, you know, there. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and have I pitched the colonies to Jeremy B? As a matter of fact, yes, I have. And as a matter of fact, they're they're interested in it. 
Um, we talked about what that might look like and what it might look like as a series and how many episodes it might be and stuff. And, uh, and I'm slowly working in that direction. But I will tell you what, uh, if I had my druthers, and I'm a guy who's been walking after his own druthers for a long time now. If I had my druthers, I would crowdfund this thing and I would make, I would make that series, I'd make it for the fans. I'm not saying I would let the fans run it, but I'd make it for the fans. I'd open source it, and if I could get if I could get this thing crowdfunded, I would put out I would put out science fiction and blow people's minds, blow their minds. I I 100% convinced. I put so much brain power into this that that this idea is is the Star Trek or Star Wars of the of our times. That it is absolutely different from anything else that's out there. Absolutely different and um. And very, 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 very interesting for the reasons it should be interesting. The science is good. The insights are good. The writing is good. The characters are real. The, 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 they're relevant. All of it. So um, I need to um, uh, I need to get this political animation finished. We need to pick up some members and some um, and some PayPal donations for that. And then I'm going to use that as. Uh, and, and between now and then, I'm going to start building up the second channel. And then when I've got that thing out there, then I'm going to go hard on the crowdsourcing thing. Uh, and I think, you know, it, I always do things uh, backwards. Uh, bless you, Helios 1776. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. That, that comment you just made... Um, It's very stressful when you bet the farm on something new. And, and, and when I say bet the farm, I mean the farm on something new. Because while, I'm, while I feel like, and I don't feel like I know why I know this is, this is not only going to work, but that it's important, when somebody says something like that, for those of you who are not watching the comment section live, he wrote, uh, uh, that would do more good than all the political commentary in the world. I, I think it would. I really think it would, and and if I didn't think it would, I would be doing something else. I'd be. I'd be. Uh, I'd be the co-host on the Clavin Show. Not co-host. I meant. I meant to say. Um, you know, co-host like the Ed McMahon. I'd sit there on the couch, and when Clavin said something clever, I'd laugh or I'd cheer or applaud. So most of the time, I wouldn't even have to come into work. You know, every fourth day or so. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Well said, Andrew. So, um, the uh, we're we're real close to to um, to the rubber meeting the road here. Uh, I've been I've been betting the farm on this since 2017. I think is when I first began to think about the whole video game aspect, the whole computer graphic aspect. No, I say it's 2017. It's five years now. How's that possible? Well, um, that's how long it's been. So now we're going to put it out there. And if the fish don't bite, then okay. Then if the fish don't bite, then I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go and do something else. Um, 
yeah, could we bring go to Daily Wire and bring back the Clavin and Whittle show? We could, but, you know, there's really no reason for me to do that. I carried that guy through five, six hundred episodes over PJTV. I'm, you know, it's only so much I can do, um, you know? I mean, he's got producers now. It's not like the old days where, you know, literally nobody would watch the guy unless, you know, he's got, he's got a marketing thing now. People would tune into the Clayton Water Show to see me and catch a little bit of Andrew. But, uh, you know, now he's got a marketing team and, and advertising. You know, a good, good marketing guy can sell anything. I mean, anything. Um, so, yeah, and, and Andrew's, the, the, you know, the, the living proof of it. Bring back time over target. Oh, that's fun too. Um, Wesley, our friend Wesley says I'm getting stuff done and, and, and getting it on DeviantArt. Let me, let me just say something here. One of the reasons that I feel that I'm still following this star of mine is not just because of uh, me and the work I can do. It's because in the course of the last five years, especially, I have found I've had a chance to work with just a very few of them, but I have found that the that the that the talent pool on the internet is so unbelievably deep. Now, there's a lot of chaff out there, a lot of chaff. You got to do a lot of sifting, and I sometimes have spent five six hours just going through, just going through, you know, Turbo Squid or CG Traders. Just every single thing. That one's okay. You know, I'll go through another 99. That's okay. That's great. One out of 300. You know. But if you go to um, DeviantArt or, or ArtStation and you see the work that people are doing and some of the best assets I've ever seen, some of the best texturing, some of the best uh, modeling, some of the best animation, all of it is stuff that these people have done just on their own just to do. And I think about, wow, man, you know, people, somebody needs to hire these people. Somebody needs to hire them. They're just, they're just brilliant out there and they wouldn't cost an awful lot of money in the grand scheme of things. And, uh, you know, boom. Uh, yeah, Marisha says 90% crap, 10% gems. I'm, I'm going to go further and say 90% crap, 10% not bad. And half a percent, that's astonishing. Um, I'm going to show you something. And I think despite my best efforts, I'm probably going to have to go home. One, two, I just can't. I just can't get them. I'll, I'll do what I can. Uh, but I'm going to show you something here. Where is it? Hang on. Uh, worth the trip. Hang on a second. I'll show you my. I'll show you my desktop image, which is something to see. Where is it? Desktop image. I forgot where I put it. Come on. There it is. Okay. It's in... Where? Can I get it from here? Hang on a second. It's worth it. Give me a second. Desktop. There it is. Okay. Hang on a second. Uh, I'll show you something. Give you an example of what I'm talking about. A fine example here. Yeah. Okay. This is my um, screensaver. Uh, my desktop, brother. We don't have screensavers anymore. Thank God. 
Now, this is, um, I said you go through hundreds and hundreds or thousands of thousands. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to look at Facebook questions for a year, am I? Uh, well, if I don't get all of the questions done, Eric, then to be perfectly honest with you, uh, I got to I got to get the, the members questions. Just that's just there's so little that they asked for and they didn't even ask me for this. It's just like, you know, we have an odd business model here. It's like people step up and pay for things and then I give those things away for free. And then the people who are paying for them say, give more of the stuff away for free. It's very strange, which is why I have such a hard time with, um, with uh, you know, like coming to grips with it. But here's what, here's what you're going to see. Uh, this is a, the, the, the model, the geometry, the 3D object I found from a guy who's going to be, I'm, when I say he's going to be, I'm going to buy, I've already bought everything he's got. Every asset he's made, I've, I've bought. But they're untextured. So then I had to find a texture artist. And the guy who did the textures on this is as good as the guy who did the modeling. So what I'm about to show you is a great example of what can be done if you've got a good eye, and I've got a good eye, and you know what to look for. This is the exploration ship. And one of the five storylines we tell in the colonies, one of them's an exploration storyline. And uh, this is the, um, the brand new series of, uh, of exploratory ships uh, named after space pioneers. And this is uh, the USS Armstrong. Now, good, it's huge. So let me shrink this baby down because it needs to be a high definition image. And, okay, there we go. Now, oops, not quite. Now, I know it's got a little atmosphere there, but that's just so you can bring out some of the details. That, to me, is a monster. I effing love this thing. I love it. And the textures are absolutely fantastic. And I've never seen anything like it. I think that is, look, who's the star of Star Trek? The Enterprise is the star of Star Trek. Um, the uh, the discovery is the star of 2001. This model has got has got star quality. It looks great. It looks different. I love it. I love that boom at the bottom, especially if it's a survey ship. You know, I just love it. Um, and it doesn't land. It doesn't land. It it shouldn't even be shown in the atmosphere, to be honest with you. Uh, it's got landers. You can see these little hatched off areas up here, a little bit forward of the midsection there, a little little bay there. The texture guy who did this is fantastic. He lives in Bulgaria. Uh, and I don't know where the modeler lives. I suspect he might be um, Russian. I don't know or care. But the it, it, it's hard to see. I'll just enlarge it a little bit. The texture guy is the guy who did things like, look at the, look at how he did the, the, the heat, uh, distortion on the engines here. I don't know if you can see that, but that looks that looks exactly like the tail fins on an F4 or something. It's just marvelous work. It's fantastic work. And um, and so, you know, I'm showing you this because because even though this thing is this whole idea is so fantastical, and so unlikely, nevertheless, I know how to deliver the goods, right? I can deliver the goods. It's a, it's a beast. It's, it's exactly right, Jim. It's just, it's a, it's a beast. And when you see the thing in motion, you know, 
it's and, and, it, and as it comes past you, the enterprise is is a tough enterprise is a tough model to shoot. Uh, the, the the enterprise design, original enterprise, obviously, and 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 the movie enterprise, which is as good as that design got, in my opinion, which is the correct opinion, um, is a is a, is a radically it's a really strange design. You know, you got a flying saucer, and you've got, you know, tubes. And then tubes that connect the tubes to the other thing. It's a bizarre thing, but but photographing the Enterprise is very tough because you've got this huge dome. You kind of have to be far enough away from that, but that dome offsets you from the, the details on the center section. Plus, here come the pylons. It's not easy, and that's one of the reasons why the uh, next generation Enterprise looks so awful, in my opinion. I know some people love it, but I I just think it's just the dumbest looking ship ever. It's got no, it's got no he no legs. It's just, it, it looks like, um, I don't know. It looks like a, like a, looks like a two-legged cheetah, you know? It's just, it's, they, but they, but they designed Enterprise D on Next Generation to be more, more film friendly than, than the original. So they designed it for the camera. Um, but nevertheless, uh, it's not pretty. Now, I did not know that. Dave Big Booty says Enterprise was designed by Matt Jeffries. That I do know. As an exercise in the golden ratio of um, one point, is it one point? Let's see. One point six one eight to one. Yes. One point six one eight to one. The film ratio, there's a golden ratio for film, too. Um, and that is uh, two point four to, to one. That's the that's the ratio that all these things are rendered in. Two two point four to one is it's not crazy widescreen. It's just it's just a beautiful beautiful thing. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. So I'm just you know it's like right now here I am trying to get all this stuff done, all this animation done. I'm going home now. I didn't finish the questions. I feel bad about not finishing the questions. This stuff stays with me and it bothers me. But I also know I have to go home and do another three hours of animation because this thing has got to get out the door, man. I got to get it out the door, and and out into the world one way or another. So, um, so if I did not get to your question in uh, in the member section, I apologize. Maybe we'll end up doing. Uh, I'll just you know commit to doing a. Maybe we need to do two a week. You know, we do a Facebook stratosphere lounge. We do a non-Facebook stratosphere lounge. Um, but anyway, um, I'm, I'm just going to have to go. Oh, wait a minute. Also, the Klingon D7 was done in golden ratio. You can look it up online. Let me say something about that real quick. Uh, back in the day when I was working at the Miami Planetarium, I remember this very, very well. Uh, AMC made the Enterprise model, and I bought the Enterprise. I built a bunch of those. Um, that's a great idea, Marisha. Uh, I used to do that back in the early days of the stress-free lounge. I used to pre-screen the questions. I'd go through them all, and I'd copy and paste them, and maybe that's the way to go. That might be a good answer. That's actually a, a really good idea, because I did it for the first 100 shows or so, and I just fell off it. Um, anyway, a I said AMC. AMT, thank you. AMT made the Enterprise, and it was, a, it was a real simple model to build. wasn't a whole lot to it. But there was a particular problem with that kit, and the problem with that kit was the the warp nacelles are connected to the struts and then the struts went into the upper hull but but they didn't recess them in there they were just essentially like a hole cut in it so that meant that you could you had to you know these these things could be at different angles and 
And it was a hell of a thing. Yeah, the floppy pylons, did you build them, um, CP? Did you ever build them? You couldn't get those damn pylons right. And and I just, I remember thinking, you know, oh, come on. It would have taken just a little bit more if they put some wells in there and wedged it in, you could get the thing exactly right. Anyway, I remember when the Klingon model came out, I loved the Klingon D7 so much. I loved it so much that, um, that I actually took one of those models and I painted it white and I put red stripes down it and I made it into a uh, into a Starfleet captured D7 and it looked badass. It was wicked. That that um, that Klingon D7 is just. A, I remember the first time I saw that in one of the episodes. I said, oh, "These Klingons mean business, man." That, that the beautiful thing about the D7 was that it belonged in the same it belonged in the same universe as the Enterprise and looked absolutely Klingon. Uh, maybe I could let someone I trust screen the questions or comments, uh, GK Masterson says, and give you a summary so you get variety, but you don't get distracted by diatribes disguised as questions. That's a great idea. The only There's a problem with this, unfortunately, and that is that I don't trust anybody. Um, uh, yeah. Boy, you know, as much of work as I do in 3D and as, and as amazing as 3D is the image you just saw, it's beautiful and stuff, there is nothing to compare with having it in your hands. It's just nothing ever, ever, ever is the same as having a physical model. I built, I don't know how many 172nd scale models I built. I know for a certain fact I must have built 20 F4s alone at least that many 20 F4s in 172nd scale. And I built everything that was in 172nd scale. In my, in my, um, we had our rec room in, at our last house on Kibiscane. And it was not a super huge room, but it was big open space. And I did the entire ceiling and I had, I had a 172nd scale B52 and I had a 172nd scale C130 and I had in front, taped them to the ceiling. Don't ever tape anything to the ceiling because it just doesn't work. It just, it just won't. But I tried. And I had four F4s and I, and I taped them so that they were all, you know, it was all stationary, obviously, but they're, they're breaking off and it, four MiG-21s coming in and figure four formation on, on the other side. And it was freaking great. Painted them all myself. Uh, and, um, and I did one, what's the next bigger scale? 148th, I know. I think, is there, is there a 136 scale? There was an F4E that was this big, right? This big. I painted it. I spent a lot of time on it, and um, and I loved that model above all things in the world. Uh, I, I put a lot of work in it, and it won some little local competitions. One thirty-second. I came home one day, and I had all these models. I had tank models to it. It was tons of. This is where I got my military hardware from. Uh, my military hardware knowledge. I built every single tank there was. I built. I built the Shermans. I built every single. Built the Panzer II. The Panzer. Well, I don't think I built the two. I built the Panzer Kampfwagen three. The Panzer Kampfwagen four. The Panzer Kampfwagen five. The um, uh, the Panzer and the Panzer Kampfwagen six. Which is called the Tiger. Built them all. And John Pershing said, "Heard this story." He says, "Then your brother dot 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 yes." He, he claimed this didn't happen, but it did. Um, so I had this award-winning F4. It was the pride of my life. I just put so much work in. This big. Beautiful. 
beautiful. Came home one day. Here's my magnificent collection of models, and where's my F4? And I start looking around, and I can't find it. The YF-12A was tough to build, too. The SR-71 wings wouldn't go together as badly designed kit. I couldn't find it. Oh, hey, look, first-time chat from viewer. First-time chat from viewer. First-time chat from viewer. Uh-oh, what is this? Are we being spammed? Looks like it. I don't know what this is. Hiya, Bill. I'm being raided. Oh my God, we have 115 viewers. Well, I don't know what this is, but it's good news. As we were uh, just pointing out here, we uh, we were actually dissecting a, a body here just, just a few moments ago, right here on the, I just wheeled it out the door just before you guys arrived. Um, it's a Twitch raid. Ignore and proceed with the show. Eject the fools. We're being raided by someone else on Twitch. Well. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, welcome. I'd like to welcome our uh, our uh, new Raider overlords and like to remind them that as a trusted member of the Internet, I can be useful in rounding up other humans to serve in their underground, um, you know, insect caves. I've never been raided before. I didn't even know there was such a thing as raiding. You see, I'm 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 one of those guys who's old enough to be able to work a real can opener. And 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 as quickly as they come, they leave. Oh, thou fickle fickle hearts of raiders, though. Your boldness is no match for your for your inconstancy. Get thee gone, get thee gone, raiders. Uh, always was you know what that was like. It was like an instalage. Uh, an instalage was, was kind of fun. I've never been right. Can I be raided again, please? What do I have to do? Uh, anyway. That was that was interesting. When you chose, you close your stream and forward your viewers to someone else. Who would that have been? Do you think it could have been? Um, could it have been Doomcock? Was it Doomcock? I hope so. Uh, in any event, uh, welcome, uh, Raiders, and, and for those of you still watching, we're just closing the show. All the interesting stuff is over, but I'll do it all again for you if you want. I'm, I'm, I'm a complete, total prostitute when it comes to that kind of thing. Um, it was Dwayne Cates. Thank you, Dwayne. Thank you very much. That was, it was actually kind of a thrill. Um, and uh, I, I wish you'd rated earlier when we had interesting stuff to talk about. But nevertheless, if you feel like a foraging party or, or any other kind of, you know, um, I don't know. Next time you guys decide to come riding down out of the hills with swords and spears, uh, please come back again because we actually have a lot of fun here. Um, in any event, uh, I so select someone else to read. How do I do that? If, uh, if Doomcock's still on, I'll, I'll, I'll rate him. On account of the fact that he does have my, uh, we had we did an hour and a half conversation, um, and uh, he's gonna, it's about to get cut together. I don't know how to do this. I will uh, study up. All right, whatever. Um, yeah, it's a shame. Go to channel dashboard. Okay. All right. I don't know how to do that. Is that uh, the, the, the three dots here? No. You know what? Uh, I don't think this game is going to be worth the candle. 
I'll tell you what, I'm not going to just, I'm not just going to uh, bore the Raiders who, who've just come in. Uh, next time, uh, we'll have, uh, we'll have even more charming stuff for you. Oh, hey, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Those of you who've just raided, hey, take a look at this. Uh, this is some stuff that I've been working on. Tell me what you think of this. If it'll play, please play. Uh, okay. Hey, 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 now we're talking. Now we're talking. This is uh, some animation uh, that I'm working on. Uh, I'm doing um, a series of, uh, I'm doing these two knights that go out on this quest and they meet all these horrible monsters and then we get to find out where the monsters come from. This is the kind of stuff that we were showing earlier, you see? Oh, now, 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 now I'm, now I've found religion. Um, this is the stuff we were talking about earlier. So, yeah, so I, they have the, you know, this place is inhabited by the uh, clinically, clinically insane, the barking mad. Uh, we've got the, here, oh, here comes one of the, um, Fatally open-minded, uh, and uh, let's see what do we get. Oh, we've got the um, unmarried uh, mothers here, uh, and then uh, the guy who's overlit coming up is the uh, guy with no guts and no heart, the heartless and the gutless. These are the denizens of this horrid community uh, that they are uh, that they're about to go raiding on. Uh, hey, here's some more. Hang on, don't 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 go. I, I, it's like unexpected company, and, and it's kind of pathetic how pathetic I'm being. But you know what? Roll with it. Uh, these are mostly just lighting tests, but to give you an idea of uh, how good the lighting looks. Um, let's see what we got here. Hey, come on, yes, the answer is yes, always. Yeah, that's a good shot. So um, this is the stuff that I've been working on, uh, Raiders, and instead of me just sitting here talking, uh, this is the kind of stuff I want to be doing. So come on back and, um, and bring your friends with you. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's not like we didn't have any audience, but, you know, we didn't. Double it. So anyway, uh, to start a raid, type raid followed by the name of the channel you wish to raid. For example, type a raid Felicia Day. All right, let me see if I can find. Uh, hang on a second here. Hang on. Thank you, by the way. Is he still on? I guess no, no. Doom Doomcock's on. Um, uh, he's on YouTube, isn't he? Uh, Anyway, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of cool stuff here, gang, and I'll show you one more just for the fun of it. Um, oh, I just showed you that one. Hang on, hang on. Let's see the snitches. Let's see the snitches. Ooh, come on, snitches. Uh, one of the, uh, oh, this is the uh, gates to the kingdom. But the Unreal Engine is just, I mean, this is Unreal 4, and, and Unreal is just, it just blows my mind how really good looking this is. Yeah, Bill loves an audience. Bill is Bill is uh, is, is embarrassingly uh, happy to uh, welcome new people. Where where are the? Um, here come the snitches. Hang on. Doesn't that look great. Uh, is it running up through? Yeah, I guess it's just running through them all. All right. Let's see the snitches. Here they come. So um, these are the snitches. They're woodland snitches. Uh, they're kind of the outer um, denizens of this uh, territory. And I've got close-ups of them. These are just uh, lighting tests that I brought in. I'll be breaking this out probably in the next uh, week or two. And, um, and then I think it'll be all over the place. So anyway, uh, I, hope, um, I hope we have, uh, have satisfied your, your rating uh, delights for the evening, whatever.
Okay, anyway, that'll do it. I'm going home uh, to finish some more of this amazing uh, work, and when this thing does premiere, I can assure you, you will, um, you will know about it, and, uh, and, and I think we'll, we'll see a bunch of them come back. Uh, and I probably should think about doing these on YouTube again, you know? Um, that's a conversation to have. Ladyhawk, a gate but no wall? Yes! The kingdom that we're going into is a kingdom that has a gate but no wall. What does this remind you of? What does this remind you of? Any, I don't know, any Western countries uh, that have gates, checkpoints on the roads but no wall on the park? See? See how it works? Oh, okay. <laughs> Should I do that? I don't know if I should do that. She's so cold. Do I still have that even? Let me see. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's embarrassing. Yeah, I'll do that. Hang on a second, gang. I'll just do it because I've been dared now. Um, and there goes our uh, uh, chance to monetize that, and that's okay with me too because we don't have a lot of money on that. Where, where did I put that? Uh, if I can find it in a very short period of time, I will do it. No, 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 no. Where did I put it? I might have deleted it. Yeah. Oh well. That's a shame. I could always download it. I'll save it. I'll save it. All right. Look. Um, anyway, that was a, a a big interruption. I didn't know there was such a thing, but it was fun. Thanks very much for joining us. As always, um, we'll be back uh, next week and uh, sooner than that too. As a matter of fact. Um, so again, the show's made possible by the members at BillWhittle.com, and and for all of you guys who do what you do and keep these things going, I'm telling you, it's gonna work. It's gonna work. It's gonna work. Because if it doesn't work, it's gonna work. Uh, We'll see you uh, next time uh, right here on your very own uh, same Stratosphere Time, same Stratosphere Channel. We'll see you next week.